For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Good afternoon. It is always a pleasure. We have been very lucky to do this for several years. For those who have been with us for several years, obviously you remember we've had people like Julius Thomas, the tight end and power forward, I guess, a guy who, much like people like Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez and others, was a basketball player as well as a football player at Portland State, had a very nice career with both the Broncos and also finishing up this year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now is doing uh, CTA-related research. He's now a medical researcher. Uh, well done, I guess, soon to be Dr. Julius Thomas. Uh, we've had guys like uh, Eno Atkins and uh, the XFL kicking off today. Louis Perez will be playing today, who we've had the great pleasure of having on, and many others. So today is another one of those great experiences to get to know a bunch more young men who are taking this step from being college athletes and amateurs to playing professionals. And I believe, is this John who's joined me? Yes, sir. Who's just me? Okay, Jelani Taylor? Yes, Jelani Taylor. Okay, hello, Jelani. Uh, so I'll start at the beginning. We'll begin where it began for you. Who got you started in, in athletics, and how did you get started as an athlete? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, for me, my father got me started in athletics. I got uh, two other brothers, a younger sister, and uh, he was always, you know, pushing us toward athletics, almost in a sense, like, had a ba- basketball, baseball in my hands before, you know, the same time I had the first book in my hand or anything like that. So it's probably pretty much always been a part of my life, huh. and uh, my dad always – Back when he stayed at these apartments, he used to have us, like, running uh, suicides on the uh, tennis court and stuff like that and playing them in basketball. So it's, like, always been a part of my life kind of growing up. Okay. Well, that's that's a way a lot of people get started. You have a parent. Uh, was your father an athlete also when he was younger? He was. He was. Okay. Uh, what sports was it that your father played? Uh, well, he played pretty much all the sports that I played. He played, he ran track, played basketball, and played football, with football being his main sport as well. Okay, got it. Okay, so the apple fell not too far from the tree in this case. Well, shout out uh, to your father. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you had that role model. And you said you had brothers and sisters as well who played. Right. Yeah. Okay. So my, Are you uh, still active? Oh, no, I'm the only one who's still uh, actively playing, but all of them play uh, growing up and stuff like that and receive, like, scholarships for play and things like that. Oh, okay, great. Uh, Where did your brothers and sisters uh, play when they were athletes? Yeah, my uh, older brother went to Ferris State. Uh, He got a scholarship there to play football. Um, yeah. My younger brother went to Kalamazoo College, which is in Michigan, uh, to play football. And then my younger yep. sister had some basketball scholarships 
but decided not to uh, like play basketball in college. Okay, I can understand. She chose to focus on being a student, student, not a student athlete. It is not easy right. being a student athlete. Uh, try to explain to people. It's like having the world's most demanding quote unquote part time job because they only count the hours. Uh, the NCAA only counts the hours where a coach is actively present or actively leading or things like that. They don't count all the hours that you put yourself through before and after practices and film study on your tablet or your laptop or your phone. Uh, exactly. it's, it's really a full-time job, isn't it, Shalom? 100%. Okay. So you started out playing many different sports. What was your first favorite sport? Which one did you like first most? Uh, the one I actually liked first was basketball. I played baseball first, but uh, it was like T-ball mm-hmm. and coach pitch, and they put us, me and my brother, on the outfield. So nobody ever hit it out there. So it was like, you know, to me, growing up, baseball was the most boring sport because it's like I didn't get any action when I was younger. So uh, basketball was like the natural next thing for me in terms of like favorite. Everybody wants to. And growing up as a young child in Indiana, everybody wants to be a hooper. So, Right, right. That is, after all, I mean, the movie is called Hoosiers for a reason. Uh, it is, I mean, Kentucky always tries to claim, you know, but historically speaking, uh, you know, Kansas, Indiana, Kentucky, all can mm-hmm. sort of fight it out. Obviously, Kansas is where the sport was born uh, because that's where Dr. Right. James Nathan was, was teaching and later coached. And, but I think really Indiana, at least in part, because of a movie like Hoosiers, at least in part because of what Bobby Knight did for so many years. And, and I think mostly just because, as you said, every kid, right, tall kids, short kids, slim kids, heavy mm-hmm. kids, every kid in Indiana. <laughs> I mean, there's not a kid in Indiana who at some point hasn't picked up a basketball and thought, yeah, I can do this. Something about the state of Indiana imbues young people with the belief that they can play basketball, whether, whether it's true or not, you know, it's later to be proven. But something about that state says to you, you should try, try basketball. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, when, you did, when you did play, when you were hooping, what kind of player were you? How would you describe your game? Uh, even all the way through uh, high school when the last time I hooped, I was always, you know, a defensive, defense, rebound, uh, going to get you a bucket here and there, but never a super. My brother was more of a score, you know, highlight reel type player. I'm going I'm to get rebounds. I'm going to play defense. I'm going to score when I need to type thing. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, one of the hardest things to do, at least for some people, is to play without the ball. And you obviously were a person right. who played without the ball. Okay. Right. And you grew up. Also, you said running track. What events did you compete in in track and field? Yeah, so I ran the 200, 400, uh, and then, like, all of the relays. Even I had to run the 4x8 before, which is not fun. I got a lot of respect for people who run, like, 800 nope. and all of that because that's, that's too far for me. <laughs> that, I wanted to run the shorter distances and just didn't have the pure speed. That, the, the 800, the death race, as I like to call it, that was actually my race. Um, I think one 
50, I think I, the, literally the last race of my life I ran the best time of my life, maybe because of the relief. I think I ran a 153.9, which is my personal record by darn near six seconds. I don't know where it came from, but um, mm. I think it was just the thought I would never have to run these shit again. <laughs> yeah, I don't wish that way for anybody. A lot of people talk about the 400, and I mean, yeah, the 400 is a tough race, but like just the 800 is just too long, too long for me. Well, it's not the right distance for anybody, quite frankly. It's funny, but you just develop your pain tolerance. That's all I can say. It hurts. My body was on fire at the end of the race. Every time. I thought I would never get enough air. 100%. It's like, I try to tell people, imagine you're drowning on dry land. That's what the last <laughs> few meters of the 800 is like. Yeah. Oh, man. Thanks for the memories there, Jelani. Yeah, I'm getting sweaty thinking <laughs> about it. Um, okay. So, so, yes, you wisely tried to stick to the 400, 200, and the, and the, um, the relay races. What was your best right. or your favorite event of all the ones you ran? Uh, my favorite event actually ended up being – I liked running the 200 because that's, like, was, like, the perfect distance for me uh, and stuff like that. But my favorite event actually ended up in high school being the 4x4 because it was, like, the last event. And, uh, like, it was kind of like showtime of the track and field stuff, for, I felt like. So it was, like, it really yeah. showed what you made of. So I, I really liked that one. That's a good way to put it. That was the race I always thought was the one that sort of exemplified what it meant to be a track and field athlete, right? The, you mm-hmm. have, there's coordination, there's teamwork, there's toughness, speed, athletic ability, like everything. Yes, great 4 by 400 teams have it all. They've got everything. <laughs> and when you watch them, I mean, people don't think of track as a, as a team sport, and usually it isn't. But when you watch a really good relay team, and it was put together right, where the right person's running the right legs of the race, um, and they have seemingly just like like magnetic passes of the baton, like nobody's looking back, reaching back, none of that, it's just boom. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's teamwork. When you do that at a high level, the best ones I've seen, it's like, no, that's a team. Like, you can call it what you want. It's an individual sport until that moment, but now, then you see teamwork. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember what your um, your personal records were in any of your events? Oh, back then, I, I actually don't remember my times. Uh, one thing that I wish I could take back in high school that I was doing, like, I would – my, it was kind of like, at least growing up in the high school that I was at at Beecher High School, it was kind of like everybody plays three sports. So like, you play a sport every season. So it was like I always looked at track as helping me get ready for football, uh, where I should have just <laughs> uh, looked at it as, you know, trying to be the greatest track athlete in the world. As you see, like, when you get to college and things like that, you see how, you know, different track, like, having different aspects of track, playing football can help, obviously. But, uh, yeah, so I never kept up with the time well, too much or anything like that. I understand. Well, we just watched the Super Bowl, right? You watched the Super Bowl, I'm assuming? Right. Right. I think, I think something like 
57%, don't quote me on that, but something like 57% of athletes in that game participated in high, in high school track and field, something like that. Wow. And a few of them wow. even did it in college. But um, if you look at Kansas City, they have a lot of guys with some track awards and ribbons on that team, as you can oh, tell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can tell. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I always tell young people, you know, when, when, if they ever ask me, should I specialize, they know. Uh, play as many sports as you can as long as you can. Eventually you'll get to the right. point where you have to choose, but don't just a sport just because. Um, I, I've never seen that. If you're going to be great, you're going to be great anyway. You'll find your way to it. But exactly. I, I just think that if you, once again, all the long-term studies show that kids that early on decide just to do one sport, one, burn out more often. They, they get mm-hmm. you know, burned out on it. Two, they have more, um, what do they call it, repetitive use injuries uh, because they, yeah. they only work certain muscles, certain joints. And, and last but not least, you're losing the ability to work on other skills, other things, hand-eye coordination, all the other things that come from playing other sports. I mean, if you look, once again, it, uh, there's a um, company called Tracking Football. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, T-R-A-C-K-I-N-G, you know, in football. So the track is written large, the I-N-G is written smaller, and the football is written large. And it yeah. deals with um, looking at, studying, essentially, how track and field can make you a better football player, how many football players have been helped by a track and field background, and, and it's sort of connecting coaches and um, other people to resources that, that show them, hey, encourage your players. If you have kids on your team that aren't running track, you know, <laughs> talk to them about running track and field. Um, because you aren't, you aren't, you're going to get back a better football player, which is the only reason to run track. But you will get a, an athlete who is better conditioned, more disciplined, has a better sense of how to use their body in space. Because track athletes, no matter what event, really have to learn their body. Mm. Because what else do you concentrate on? Other than what your body's, I mean, kind of yell things at you, but, but let's be honest. I mean, I, I'll just speak for myself. I can't speak for you. But when I was out there on the track and I'm just fighting for my life, it seemed like coaches would be running, yelling something or waving, whatever. I have no idea what they're saying. I don't know why you're waving at me. I, I, if I somehow could muster the attention, it would probably slow me down. So I'm just going to try to run this race as best I can. I never knew what coaches are yelling. I. To this day, I couldn't tell you what my track coach yelled at me. Cletus Griffin, if yeah, you're out yeah. there, God bless you, sir. You're a wonderful man, man of men, but I never knew what you were yelling. Not one time. That's the idea. So um, track and field is one of those sports where, I mean, coaches matter. are going to be wrong, but when you're actually competing, you know, coaching is way down. Uh, obviously, football is different. Basketball is a little bit different even because coaches really can shape the outcome. In track and field, mm-hmm. They get you ready. They, they train you. They give you eyes. But once you're out there, I mean, you win or lose based on, you know, God-given ability, preparation, and hopefully having a game plan, which was a struggle for me when I first started running track. I didn't realize, oh, yeah, I probably should think about what I was about to do. I, I, yeah, I wish I'd start doing it early. That's like, I wish I'd right. started when I was much younger because I knew kids that, you know, really knew what they were doing out there. I was just, you know, raw. <laughs> so I was up there. 
probably the first time I tried running the 800, I ran it like I run a 400. And I was like, I'm killing yep. these guys. I'm going to rule the 800. And then about the 630 meter mark, it all went dark. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That oh. Was, yep. oh. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> you could not convince me that someone had snuck up on me and tied a um, tractor trailer, like, a, like an 18-wheeler truck to me, mm-hmm. and I wasn't dragging that. I went from first place with probably a, I don't know, 15, 12-foot, you know, lead on everybody to I think there was eight runners, and I think I managed to hold on to seven. (laughs) (laughs) Barely. Barely. So, once again, thank you for never having to be a part of my life again in the meter race. Um, So, (laughs) talk to me a little about when – Football won you over because originally your favorite sport was basketball. Right. So really it was like right when I started playing um, like contact football. Um, I started off at the YMCA playing flag football uh, when I got introduced to it. And then uh, when I was eight, I I started playing tackle football. And that's when I kind of like just fell in love with it. Like I, I played quarterback like, my whole life growing up, like, and defense, but, like, quarterback was, like, obviously the main thing. So it's, like, just being being the quarterback. And I used to be a huge football fan always. So, like, watching, like, like you know, I used to watch a lot of NFL games growing up a coach fan and uh, really loving college football, like, getting up in the morning and watching uh, college game day and all of that. So, like, I really fell in love with the whole idea of football in general and, and things like that. And then I guess playing quarterback – didn't hurt it at all. So that's what merely made me. Uh, also, I feel like when you excel at something at a young age, that's what kind of makes you, I guess, you're attracted more to it in a sense, too. Well, I think it has to do with, um, it's an old, I think it's an Inuit saying, those are the native people of Alaska, where they say, um, mm-hmm. An old a, a grandfather is talking to his grandson, and he says, "There's, you know, think of your desires, your emotions as wolves, right? And some will pull you this way, and some will pull you that way." And he said, "Well, how do you know uh, which wolf is going to determine what you are?" He says, "Well, which one do you feed, right? So when you feed something, when you give it your attention, or you get attention from it, like you said." Someone says, oh, man, you know, woo, you know, you're out there, you're, you're, you're a little Barry Sanders out there, right? So the first time someone says, you're good at this, you're good at that, you're whatever, yeah, it makes you, oh, okay, right? <laughs> Your little chest pokes out a little more. People are cheering for you. I mean, that's exciting when you're a kid. Um, right. I was not one of those kids with a great national athlete. I was. Like, I wish. I was that kid who just walked out there and was like, good right away. I was a grinder, man. I was bad at everything when I first tried it. <laughs> And I was just determined to not be the worst. Like, I knew God, unfortunately, not given me the stuff, or my parents, the way I can see it, physically, and not given me the stuff you needed to be. Like, I was always small, and I was a kid that didn't have a lot of great natural anything, but strong. I was, like, strong on my side. It was one half. I was always stronger than people thought I was. So I ended up eventually yeah. mostly playing defense and, you know, not looking like much until I hit somebody. Like I said, once we started hitting, I went from being like a so-so player where we're playing like flag and touch. As soon as we started hitting people, it was like, oh, coach was like, oh, okay. You know, maybe you can play. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as we started hitting people, I, I look a little better to you because 
Some kids don't like contact. Mm-hmm. Even kids who right. are naturally gifted, right? I knew kids that were just brilliant mm-hmm. athletes. But when we started hitting, they were like, hmm, you know, basketball sounds good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, you go do that. Uh, in fact, my youth coach had a son who was a terrific player, but ended up being one of the first picks in the NBA draft. His name was, well, his name was Herman Reed Jr., but no one called him Herman. Uh, he went by JR. And he was an All-American mm-hmm. a couple of years, at, uh, years in North Carolina. Right. Yeah, so his, his father, Herman Reed Sr., was my um, uh, Pop Warner coach. Really? And uh, also a very, very large name. <laughs> um, those are both very large people. Uh, so Jr. was what six eight and three quarters or something by the time he was seventeen, and his dad was probably a good six 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 seven and three hundred and something. But yes, uh, shout out to Coach Reed, um, Herman Reed Senior, and of course Jr. Wherever you are, wherever you, I think he's a commentator now. Uh, but yeah, he was a good player. He's a good football player. But you know, around fourteen, he decided to focus. on Correctly, I would say in this case, focus on basketball. Right, uh, right, right. Made him a lot of, lot of, lot of money. <laughs> okay, um, tell us a little bit about some of the guys you grew up around. Obviously, there's other young athletes that have come up around you, near you. Uh, who are some of the best kids that you were around growing up, and how many of them may have gone on to play, whether it's football or not, play sports or? at least at the collegiate or, or high school level and possibly even professional. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to really speak toward the people I grew up around in Flint because that's where I, uh, I moved to Flint, what, my what's that, seventh grade year. Yeah, my seventh grade year. So that's, you know, more of the people I remember in a sense. Uh, but, I yeah. mean, for, for me, one thing about Flint, it was like that was some of the most talented people I've ever been around uh, in my lifetime. But, unfortunately, like, due to just the way, uh, you know, people view, like, grades and things like that and view college in general and things like that, like, it's not a lot of people. There aren't a lot of people that, like, I just know uh, that went on to play. Like, Monte Morris, uh, who plays for the Denver Nuggets, went to the same high school as me. He was a senior when I was a freshman. So, yeah, I know uh, Monte. And then you hear about uh, the other different, like, Miles. Miles is the same age as me. Uh, He left after his freshman year and went pro as he should. And um, and now, obviously, he's playing in the NBA as well. But there's a lot of people, and if you ask anybody in Flint, they'll tell you the same thing, that most of the best athletes in Flint are still in Flint type thing. So that was an unfortunate thing. A lot yeah. of people from my high school uh, looked at me as like, oh, I, I was the one who was able to get to go somewhere type thing. Gotcha. Uh, was that Steve who just popped on with us? Who just joined us? Somebody just joined us. Somebody from my old neck of – okay, maybe not. Okay. They joined us. Okay, moving on. Uh, okay. And it's, it's funny you should mention that because I was just thinking about Randy Moss's um, 30 for 30 called Rand University. Right. And the joke was, like, whenever a guy would get in trouble and get kicked out of wherever it is he got to go, or if he didn't get to go at all, he didn't have the grades or whatever it is, he used to say, well, what happened to so-and-so? He's going to Rand University. And that meant he was like a guy who would sit in the um, bleachers and watch, you know, the kids younger than him play, or he'd sit in the parking lot mm-hmm. drinking beer, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. Um, and it happened. 
it happens everywhere. Uh, I played with three guys who went on to play in the NFL. One, Al Shambly, Alfred Shambly, um, was a, an undrafted free agent, I believe, or late drafted. He might either undrafted or late drafted with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, hung around for about a year and then, you know, went into and had been successful in business. And then two guys who are still, well, one is still involved in football coach. Um, he's now at IMG, I believe. I think that's Keith Gogamus, Gogo, as we used to call him back in the day, uh, was an All-American linebacker at Penn State, got drafted by the Bills and I think the fourth round. Oh, I should know this. Um, I really should. Uh, but had a had a career there and played in a few Super Bowls and then who just hopped on with us from uh, seven five seven miles stomping grounds like the Tidewater area? Who just hopped on? Uh, this is uh, Eric Mattingly from. Uh... Oh, okay, it's Eric. Okay, got it, got it. I wasn't sure if it was Cecil. Eric. I didn't know which number you where you guys come from. Okay, hold on for me for a moment. I'm gonna. Um, uh, we're going to go back and forth now that you and uh, uh, Jelani are both here. Perfect. Okay, so, okay. and is that Cecil? Who just hopped on? Okay, let me do a quick, okay. Somebody hopped on. Okay, we'll keep, whatever, we'll keep going. Okay, so, uh, yeah, three guys, uh, two of whom got drafted, one fairly high, uh, Matt Darby, was a consensus All-American. At UCLA, some people even compared him to um, Hall of Famer uh, Kenny Easley, who's also from the Tidewater area. And uh, we were we were coached by the same man that Kenny Easley. Kenny Easley's coach was uh, Tommy. Uh, as if you're still up, I think he's still with us. Uh, coach West, uh, you know, he was the same coach that coached um, uh, Kenny Easley at Oscar Smith High School. So. They were great athletes, though. Like, those guys were also taking care of their business in the classroom. They're good people. But um, Matt had an older brother, Joe Darby, who was a terrific basketball player. Maryland came around, things like that. But he uh, didn't get the grades, and he fell in love with some young, young lady while still in high school. They started having a family. I think he ended up working for the post office. So it happened. Um, so, Eric, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. And I'll be thank going you back and forth with you and Jelani. Tell me... Oh, the pleasure is mine, sir. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got started. Who got you started as an athlete, and what sports did you play when you were first starting out? Um, so I guess uh started, I mean, I've, as long as I can remember, since I was six, I'd always played baseball and basketball, and uh, that's just something my parents wanted to keep me active, and, you know, they really enjoy watching sports. They always wanted to get me into it, so... I kind of continued to play baseball and basketball all the way up through uh, my time at Lansdowne High School, and uh, I started, I picked up football really late. I picked it up like my sophomore year of high school, but uh, my mom never let me play when I was younger, and uh, so she kind of just let me, you know, get into it later, which, I mean, wasn't bad because, I mean, I got to save myself from a lot of injuries when I was younger, so, I mean, and I really enjoyed the sport. Okay, and uh, there's a few old moments for me. Lansdowne didn't even exist when I was uh, in high school. When I was in high school, my school was the new school. Green Run was the new school at the time, or the newest school at the time. And now I think they've built 
four more high schools or three more, one or the other, uh, since since I graduated many, 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 many years ago. Uh, so what part of Virginia Beach are you from? Uh, I'm from, I'm actually from the Landstown area. I live like right, uh, right outside of the, uh, Landstown Commons, uh, shopping center. Got it. Okay. Got it. See, I lived, I grew up near the College Park shopping center. Um, that's how Virginia Beach people find, Virginia Beach is not like a lot of other cities if you've lived other places, in that it doesn't have any real obvious markers. You know, like I live now in Chicago, and there's the Loop, and there's such and such. There's High Park, and Virginia Beach is kind of this amorphous blob of a city where there's no easy way to navigate. You know, there's no clear markers to say, well, this is east of this, this is west of that, this is north of that. You just have to know where you're going. So that's why people in Virginia Beach usually have a great sense of direction because Virginia Beach will get you lost. (laughs) If you don't know where you're going, my beach will get you L-O-S-T. But it's crazy because um, when I first moved here, I probably moved here, I think it was like in 2002, I was in first grade. When I first got here, this whole area over here uh-huh. was like strictly just like woodland and like it was just woods and trees all yep. over. And now there's Pantera's yep. hospitals, CHKD, yep. uh, all the yep. shopping centers you need. It's, it's really expanding. It's a big, uh, big booming city. Yes. Well, think about crazy this for me. So I... I left there in 1989, right? Uh, I've gone back to visit. Oh. My, my father's passed away. My mother's still alive. And so I go back every year, every couple of years to visit. Every time I go back, the city is different. Like, well, where did this come from? What, what's this? Like, <laughs> so so remember, uh, a few years ago, I'm driving around. I'm in this area that didn't dig, Like I said, it was all like strawberry fields or something. The last time, <laughs> the last time <laughs> I was there, like, what? where did this come from? So even if you grew up in Virginia Beach, if you've been away for a while, you are completely thrown off and disoriented. Like, what? where did There's always the area by CBN University, it's completely different now. But, yeah, right. It's, <laughs> uh, well, again, it's memory lane time. I had someone talk 800 meters with me and the, the race of death. Now I have people talking about my very confusing hometown. Uh, so thank you both. This has been a real, <laughs> I don't know how it's been for you guys, but it's been great for me, Ramita. Uh, okay, tell me about your coaching staff at Lansdowne. And Lansdowne, though it's a fairly new school, has already produced some athletes. Talk a little bit about Lansdowne and the pride you have in uh, that um, uh, I really, you know, I'm very prideful about Lansdowne, you know, just playing every varsity sport there from basketball, baseball, and football. Um very good, you know, athletic department. Uh, they have uh, Mr. Syox there. He's the athletic director. He, uh, he's actually like a seven foot tall. He's just a big dude. He's uh, he played basketball at Syracuse, so he's he knows he knows his ins and outs of sports, and he takes care of everything. And uh, football was was always just my favorite time of the year. You know, I mean, once I got into it, it was fun to go out there and you know. I just like to hit people and, you know, it's just the camaraderie that yeah. comes with the sport, you know, getting with your brothers, you know, putting plays together and, you know, just all trying to strive for one goal. I mean, I could say that about any of the sports that I played, but, you know, just something about football, I've just, I've, I've taken it as far as I can go. Okay. And, um, 
Once again, one last shot for you to brag on Lansdowne. Who are some of the other guys that have come out of that school? It doesn't even have to be football, but who are some of the other athletes that have come out of Lansdowne that have made a mark somewhere in the world, either at the collegiate or even above the collegiate level? Oh, well, yeah, the, um, the greatest, you know, the greatest player that we've had to come out of Lansdowne was Percy Harden. Um, Correct. He, you know, he won our first national – or he won our first state title for us in 04. He was a pretty good basketball player as well, uh, two-time national champion yeah. in Florida, yep. and he also was a Super Bowl champion with the Seahawks. And in that Super Bowl, he returned a kick return for a touchdown. So he's the biggest one I can think of for us being, a you know, a very, a very new school still, I mean, being built in 2001. Right. Um, and this is my last little time limit, well, hopefully, that I inject here. Uh, at the time, Coach Steve Cantor, he's not currently in coaching, but I think he'll be back in coaching at some point. But Coach Cantor was the coach at the time. Um, I can't remember what had happened, but they'd lost their coach unexpectedly. I can't remember if it was an illness, but something. But uh, he was an assistant, and then shortly before the season, they lost their head coach, and Coach Cantor, who was very young at the time, like 29 or something at the time, uh, got oh, wow. unexpectedly promoted to head coach. And they, yes, exactly. You ask old-timers around about this, and so all of a sudden, um, one, as you said, a state championship, but two, uh, for the first time, Lansdowne's handling a big-time recruitment. I mean, Urban Meyer and um, Jim Tressel and uh, – uh, Pete Carroll and uh, I mean a long list of big yes you are correct right a bunch of guys yes it's like a who's who of collegiate coaches are all of a sudden showing up <laughs> so yes uh, so that was new obviously for I mean a, a school at that point was what three four years yeah. old something like that so for a school that was that new that was really something. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, okay, well, let's continue forward. So now you are suddenly a football player. Not suddenly, you've been one. But I mean, now you're, you just, something has sort of helped you to find that of all the sports you play, that the thing that you mostly are as a football player. How did that come about? How was it that was decided or... Or was it decided for you? Did you decide yourself? Um, so I guess I guess the best way to put it was um, who who was coming to see me when I, at my time at Lansdown. I mean, because I played basketball and I played baseball, but I mean the the coaches that were coming to see me, you know, pulling me out of class to come interview with me and talk to me were all you know Division One football coaches from. Richmond, William and Mary, all all types of different schools. So I mean, once you know, it feels good to be wanted. And you know, at that point in time, I was like, well, maybe since I mean, I'm already getting looks at, and I've only been playing for like a year and a half. You know, this is the route that I should go because no one, you know, no one's knocking on the door for baseball or basketball. So it was kind of more of like a realistic move for me. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense. <clears throat> and when your recruitment first began. Okay, let me let me halt this for a second. Uh, now, when I was at Green Run, and this may have changed. I mean, these things sometimes change. But our big rival was Kempsville. We wanted to beat, you know, everybody, obviously. But, but there was something yeah. special about Kempsville. And at the time, we had never beaten them. 
Uh, we didn't beat them until 86. Don't quote, don't quote me on that, but something like that. We didn't beat them. In, we, we had never beaten them from the time our school opened until I think it took six or seven tries uh, before we finally beat them. We beat them on the last play of the game on a trick play. And Coach Gahagan, uh, who at that time was their sort of legendary head coach, lost it, right? So uh, he was a large man, and he rarely moved quickly. But when, when that game – so we ran what we call the special K play. It's those plays that players always want to run, and coaches always say, no, no, it's not the right time. So it's the last play of the game, and the coach finally goes to him and says, yeah, you know, this is it. This is the thing you've been waiting for for low these, these many years. And so um, our starting quarterback, uh, who uh, sadly passed away, uh, was murdered as part of a very well-known national murder when three members of the uh, United States uh, Naval Academy were all killed when young man, uh, I think his name was George, no, I can't remember his name, something co, I can't remember, don't call me on that, but he killed himself. He killed, uh, fortunately, Alton Grizzard and a young lady, all of whom had been sort of promising uh, Naval Academy graduates uh, out in San Diego, California, many years ago. But Alton was a tremendous athlete. We couldn't stay healthy. Tremendous athlete. We couldn't stay healthy. Um, so he had been a punter and a backup safety, a backup quarterback, but he was really talented. And everybody knew he was talented. He just could never stay healthy. So finally, you know, magically, he finally stays healthy his last chance, his senior year, because he's hurt all throughout his 10th grade, all throughout his 11th grade year. Always some part of him seemed to be in a cast at all times. And um, so he drops back, and it looks like it's going to be a wide receiver screen, but bounces, you know, on the ground, and we all kind of, everyone has to act. Like, even those of us who are not even in the game, all the time, like throwing our helmets and whatever, ah, whatever. And in that, it's like, well, it's 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, Keith Gilchrist, who played wide receiver, was also was a backup quarterback, picks the ball up, and because it was a lateral, it's still live, picks it up, throws it deep down the field to Maurice Harold, who and is in the, the, the beacon, the, new, the newspaper, this picture of him laid out, like he's horizontal. He's like laid out, completely horizontal, right off, three and a half feet off the ground, snags this ball in his hands, pulls it in, last play of the game, gun goes off, we win. Coach Kagan goes nuts, claims his double pass, whatever, you know, whatever. But uh, that was it. Like, that was the most satisfying um, win. And we actually made the playoffs that year, and I think we won the first playoff game and then lost after that to, I think, Hampton, somebody like that. Um, but that was but the most satisfying athletic ex- team athletic experience of my life to this day will always be that win over Kim Still. Who was the team that you guys most savored beating? Uh, we had a very good rivalry again. Oh, well, I wouldn't say if it was a good rivalry or not, because we, we didn't really beat them a whole bunch, but, uh, we always look forward to playing Salem High School. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, now, out of all the schools, why Salem? Uh, I don't know. That's just the, the team that I feel like we always had some sort of edge against, and we always wanted to beat them, and we were fairly close to location with them, and just a lot of us guys knew the guys that were there, and it was just, for some reason, that's just always who we chose. Yeah. I got it. It's almost like uh, beating your brother, beating your cousin, because it seems like they're always around, and you see each other a lot. You run each other at the mall. You, you know, may even go to church yeah. together, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, and then, I mean, you got the kids that played with us at that school that transferred over to that school, so we wanted to show them, like, yeah, this, I mean, we we could still, you know, we're still competing, like, there's no, I mean, you know, whenever somebody leaves and goes to another team, you always want to play them and show them up. Yes. Oh, yes. You you think the Seahawks don't get a little extra excitement about facing Richard Sherman when they play the 49ers? I promise exactly. you. And of course, Sherman. I promise you that Richard Sherman is a little extra pep in his step whenever the Seahawks play the Seahawks. Like yeah. I promise you, that's a game. Everyone says, "Oh, you know, we treat each game the same," but we all know it's not true. The coaches know it's not true. The players definitely know it's not true. Not every game is the same. There uh, yeah. are teams. And games and situations where, I mean, you think about them all year long. <laughs> yes, those are, for, those are for sure. Those are for, that's for sure a true thing. Okay, so you said that you began to get recruited. Tell me a little bit about your recruitment process. Who were the schools or which schools showed the most interest in you early on, and how did you decipher, how did you sort through that process? Um, so I kind of had, I had kind of a crazy recruitment, which I mean, I'm sure, you know, a lot of kids do. Um, cause at first, uh, I, my first year actually starting on varsity was my junior year. So my second year playing football ever. And I, uh, was getting interest, a lot of interest from JMU. Um, I was talking to, I was talking to the coaches at William and Mary quite a bit, uh, coach Solderich over there. Um, and I think I was pretty, pretty much set on going to JMU. Um, and then my senior year, I, uh, I broke my foot and I wasn't able to really go to the camp and compete at their big man camp. So everything kind of just kind of fell off with them with communications and stuff. So I, uh, the the next level the next wave of schools that were coming in to talk to me were uh, Division two schools. So straight out of high school, I signed with uh, West Virginia State um, up in up up oh, close by yeah. Dumbarton I'm, in West Virginia. Yeah, and I uh, right. I was That's only there for Western a semester. State. Yeah, yeah. I was only there for a semester because uh, I just I, I just wasn't happy there. So then I I come back when I get back here. You know, when I get back in Virginia Beach, I um, I mean, I still want to, I still want an education. So I, you know, I, I enroll at Tidewater Community College. I'm there for the spring semester yeah. after that, that fall, and I do a couple classes over the summer. Uh, so when I came back, I still wanted to play football. So I did my due diligence and I kind of just started reaching out to coaches in the area, like William and Mary and Old Dominion. Um, Norfolk State, Hampton, and all, all those, any school that would, you know, that would, you know, ha- at least take a chance on me. And the one school that was messaging me back was uh, Old Dominion, uh, Coach Bugs, uh, Kermit Bugs from ODU. He was the recruiter for the area, and he, yeah. um, he just kept telling me, like, yeah, like, um, you would come on a visit, come to the, come to a visit, come check us out. So I, uh, I ended up, you know, starting off at ODU. So I did uh, my, I did my three years, my first three years I was at ODU and I played, uh, played for them for two years. I had to sit out one from due to transferring from D2 to FBS. 
uh, started for two different years there, and then uh, I transferred for my senior year to go to uh, Eastern Kentucky. So I just finished out my last season at Eastern Kentucky. So it was kind of a crazy ride. Right. I've been a couple places, and now I'm uh, now training for uh, my pro day. Now, how did that work, the Eastern Kentucky part? Because uh, great program. Um, several people have come out of that, both in football and I guess, oddly enough, their most famous football player actually is known not for football, but uh, former end of from Eastern Kentucky, Lee Majors, of course, became the $6 million man, uh, and, yeah. uh, of course, many other roles since then. But that's, that's an, I mean, it's not super far away, but it's not, it's not a, a yeah, place where you see a lot of traffic, right? So how'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, so um, I was... I wasn't really exactly happy with how things were going at Old Dominion. Uh, we had we had such you know such good talent on our roster every year, and we just weren't you know we weren't really we weren't really winning the games. And then I mean it just wasn't it wasn't exactly how I expected from when I first got there. We won a bowl game. We went ten and three, and then the, the year after that we went five and eight or. We went five and seven, and then the year after that, we went four and eight. We beat Virginia Tech. It was real cool, but uh, you know, it, it's just it's it, you want to win games. And then you know, I wasn't sure with how the situation with the coach was going to go because there was a lot of talk about him getting moved out. My position coach got fired, so I just kind of looked at it as an opportunity. Well, if I'm going to get a new coach anyway, it would be just like you know it would just be like transferring and getting in like playing for a new coach in the first place. So I had a buddy that was playing at Eastern Kentucky. He was a running back from this area. And they said that they, uh, they lost three offensive linemen and that they, they were in need of a tackle. And that past year, my junior year at ODU, I started six games at right tackle. So I came in, I got to meet the coach, uh, coach Heffernan, who was a real, real cool guy. He, um, so he recruited me. He brought me in, uh, said he wanted me to come in and play left tackle, which I did. I started all 12 games this year at left tackle for them. And three weeks after I get to EKU, he he left and took the job as the assistant uh, O-line coach for the Buffalo Bills. And then my new position comes yeah. in, and it's legendary Danny Hope, who was uh, ah. a player there player there and he was the head coach there for a while and he went off to be the head coach at Purdue and I got to learn so much from him and I'm just thankful for my time there you know getting to learn from such a uh, I mean a guy with so much knowledge I mean you talk about falling into one heck of a situation <laughs> um, yeah. I mean that guy would be up there I mean well I'm thinking about if you're putting like an offensive line coaching Mount Rushmore that's up Joe Bugle. Obviously, would have to be up there. You know, um, uh, you might put uh, you know guys like maybe even Tom Moore up there. But I mean, I don't know how you would could keep a guy like like Coach Hope off of there. That's that's a big get as a coach. So tell me about that. What was it like being coached by him? Um, <laughs> I can say for sure he is uh, he is a character of a man. He is very funny. He's always bringing energy. He, uh, you know, I mean, going out for games and stuff, like pregame and stuff, he'll really light a fire under you. He'll make you want to run through a wall. He's just, 
he's just uh, he's a heck of a guy to play for. He's a guy that you want to play for, and I mean, you can't beat the knowledge that he has. You know, he's he he's teach he teaches. I mean, because for me it was hard because you know I'm coming into a whole new program my senior year, and I have to learn a whole new playbook. I'd gotten a new offensive coordinator, right? Um, Coach Austin, who had just who had just gotten there. Uh, Coach Hope just came in, so the whole offensive staff was basically brand new, and uh, he made it he made it really easy. He's just a great coach. I mean, that's that's all I can really say about him. Now, I tell people this, and some people know it, especially been around the game. That once you get past quarterback, the next two places where you have to have a well, that's one place that that is center. We have to have the highest football IQ to be to be successful, and then right near there is the is the tight end and the rest of the offensive line. People don't always understand. I mean, the last time I played on the line, I was about seven because so, kids started growing, and I didn't. So I, I, as I got older, I played further and further in the ball, and into my career played safety. Uh, growth, it's real. Uh, not everybody gets it. Yeah, I've never growth spurt. I want the growth uh, dribble. But for you, you know, for you guys that, that were able to keep playing on the line, People hear words like playbook, and they think, well, you know, how much does an offensive lineman have to know? And I, I have to explain that, well, I mean, obviously the route part of what's going on may not be super important, but you have to know the timing. Tells you whether yeah. you're short setting, tells you whether you're, you're going to try to jump set, if you're going to, I mean, you know, what, what kind of, what, how are you going to try to block this guy, if you're going to block this guy. Sometimes the guy that, Thinks you're going to block him. You're not even blocking that guy. So you're blocking this guy over here. Um, sometimes you were. Did they? Did you get pulled? I mean, some teams don't pull their tackles at all. Some teams pull their tackles a lot. Um, I have to go back and look because I've seen you play a little bit at ODU because I always watch ODU because you know from you know where I'm from. Um, yeah. I only watch Eastern Kentucky, you know, for specific players or specific plays. So tell me about how you've been used throughout your college career at the various places where you played and what things you learn along the way. Um, it's so, um, when, when I was at, when I signed West Virginia state straight out of high school, they brought me in to play tackle. Cause that's what I played in high school. I played tackle and I, uh, whenever the only, re, the only time I would be uh set at guard was when for pulling plays is when I would pull. Um, when I got, to ODU, they also brought me in to play tackle. Uh, coach Malone, also another really good coach that I was blessed to have throughout my time. Um, I, he had me do. He had me playing everything. Uh, basically, he was he 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 pretty much well rounded me as an offensive lineman. He had me playing left tackle, right tackle, uh, guard, which I really enjoy guard. I mean, I've I've played games where I started the game at guard, and then a couple series later, I'm in there at guard or started the game at tackle, and then a couple series later I'm in there at guard, you know, and for the most part at at, uh, at ODU, they didn't really – we didn't really pull the tackles too much. or We had a play where we did, but we just didn't run it a lot. So the guards pulled a lot at ODU. At, uh, East, at EKU this year I pulled a couple times. We had a, we had a, we had a couple plays where the tackle would pull, so – I mean, it, it, it's just playing for a couple different guys and learning the ins and outs of it and 
it's O line is really is it's really not easy to to play, and a lot of people you know probably dumb it down and think that it's oh I mean how hard can it be? You're only you know blocking a guy in front of you, but I mean the best offensive lines, I mean they know what everybody on their line do. Like you want to know what the center's doing, what right. the guards are doing, what the, what your other tackles doing, like. You want to, that's the best way to be the most cohesive line. I mean, you want to know – and you even want to know what your running backs are doing, what the quarterback reads are. I mean, you want to know all that stuff because that's going to help – you know, that's going to help the play. Exactly. Um, I'm going to check to see real quick uh, head count. Is that you, Cecil? Who just hopped on with us? Somebody just joined us. Oh, Hello. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out who just hopped on with us. Oh, Lawson? Who just joined us? Lawson Holbert. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Got it, okay. Uh, thank you, Lawson. Um, a pleasure, a pleasure. Uh, so I have both Lawson Hoover from beautiful Emporia State and also Eric Magwood. Um, so sort of two extremes. I have a, an offensive lineman and someone who plays my favorite position, uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. So, uh, so uh, I'll be sort of wrap this one question, and then I'll, I'll be going back and forth between the two of you. So, if you were trying to describe to someone who never played offensive line, and that would be me, I've played a little defensive line once again before the whole growth spurt thing happened or didn't happen for me. Uh, if you're going to tell somebody sort of what a week of practice is like particularly for a guy that maybe has to play more than one position that you've done in the past. So let's say you're playing both tackle and guard, or you might be playing both tackle and guard, and you're getting prepared for, you know, a, a conference game, I don't know, any of the places where you've played, uh, that's important because, well, conference games are always important. What's your week of practice like? How is your day divided up? What are you doing? I mean, obviously you go to classes too, but uh, what do you, what's a day of uh, a week of practice like for an offensive lineman who plays multiple positions? Um, so it's, you know, it's it's good. You start, I mean, you obviously always start off with your stretch lines, and then when you break up into positions, um, you know, some, I mean, if you have your 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 head your O line coach and then his GA, usually he'll send his GA to go help out with whatever what other other positions that we have running. So if Coach Malone like. Coach Malone at ODU, he liked to work with the tackles, so he was always over there with us. Uh, he had putting bands around our weights when we'd kick slides on the boards and stuff like that. And uh, say the guards would be over there stabbing on on another like a short board, like a little slider board, or they'd be on the shoots doing something, uh, you know, staying staying low, something related to that. So for me, it was a little different because I'd start off over there on the you know on the on the board kicking and sliding with the tackles and then halfway through I'd rotate and go get some guard work with the guards in the centers and uh same thing same thing when I was at uh uh Eastern Kentucky uh we had every every practice right before we started uh we'd have a QC exchange so quarterback center exchange so I mean as a tackle some of the guys that wouldn't play center they'd go over and they would do their you know, kick slides and and such, you know, stay low, post steps. And I'd be over there snapping with the centers 
to the QBs, all of the QBs on our roster. And then when we'd start practice, I'd go back over. So, I mean, it was kind of cool to get to do a, a bunch of a bunch of things, you know, trying to, like, you know, kind of add more to my, you know, add more to my game. And then you, on top of that, after when you really get into things, you got inside run, which is what they, you know, the coaches love that. They always love to see us, you know, pound the ball inside, <laughs> stack box. You know, sometimes all the offensive linemen, they don't, they don't always they don't always love it every day. You gotta you gotta really bring energy in those types of uh types of drills, but you'll have that, then you'll have team and you know, in some of these drills, some of these other positions aren't you know, they're not really touching people. You know, we're we're full force like say uh we're they're thudding. So like if a, a safety or a linebacker come in, they just thud the running back. No, like the offensive line and the defensive line, they're in there really pushing each other around, throwing each other around and it's it's uh it's it's really like, you know, it's like Bangladesh in there. <laughs> I love it. That's the best description I can think of. I've never heard anyone whip that one out, but that's good stuff. I will <laughs> hold that thought. That's a great one. You, you sir, are way with words. Offensive lineman, that's right. The smartest by, by grades, when they look at the grade point averages, at the NCAA level and the guys who are playing in the NFL, they say, you know, who has the highest grade, even higher than the quarterbacks? The highest GPAs on average are the, on NCAA football teams' offensive line. So there we have it. Um, so now I'm going to bring uh, Mr. Hoover into it. So thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure to have you, sir. Tell me thank a little bit about the beginning me. of your – oh, my pleasure. Tell me about the beginnings of your athletic – career uh how did you get started who first got you out there and what sports did you play when you were a youngster um i mean it was it was definitely my dad who got me into it uh and i played everything baseball basketball football um he just wanted to, and even soccer a little bit too he just wanted to make sure that i found uh an outlet that i liked whatever sport it may be he was a track athlete himself. He uh, he ran at South Dakota State University back in the day. Um, so okay, just, he he was very adamant about like me doing something, but he never forced me to do anything. He like let me do my thing and then kind of find what I loved. And then as I grew up and grew older, it kind of narrowed it down between football, basketball, and baseball, and just. Football is really the one I stuck with the most and really loved. Okay. And tell me, you said that you had a father who was a, a track and field athlete. Did he or was he able to sort of help you, give you tips and pointers? Obviously, you ended up focusing on a different sport, but the great thing about track is there's things about track that translate to almost every other sport you can make. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, he just – I think I got a lot of my, like, drive from him, like, especially with track. Like, nobody wants to go out there and run for fun, you know? <laughs> so I think definitely him <laughs> just being able to teach me to, like, find my uh, find my own way and just, like, find my uh, find my drive really uh really helped in just uh conditioning and everything like that 
Okay, got it. And what was it about football in particular that appealed to you out of all the other sports that you play? Um, it was definitely the most uh, physical. I was a physical kid growing mm-hmm. up, not getting into any fights or anything like that, but uh, I have one younger brother, so me and him always butt heads. Uh, but definitely because it was a physical sport, and then I always liked the fact that you're always moving around and you're always doing you're always doing something, and then it's not just about physical ability. It's also a knowledge to the game, too which I really enjoy. I really love learning more about the game because there's always something. It's always changing. It's always growing. And I think being able to learn more about it is definitely what interests me a lot too. Okay. Got it. Okay. Now, tell us and everyone a little bit about the athlete's from your neck of the woods. You're a part of the, the world. Uh, you know, a ta- fairly talent-rich environment. Uh, now, not everyone may have been a football player, but you're from a place where certainly there have been some other athletes. Tell people about your, your part of the world where you grew up and who are some of the athletes that have grown up in that area. Um, well, I think what's unique about me is I grew up, like, I won't say I grew up in one specific place. So I was born in Lawrence and lived there for the first seven years of my life, and then uh, moved to Minnesota and was there for, like, all of my middle school, and then moved to Omaha, Nebraska, um, and was there for the first three and a half years of my high school, and then, or in the end of middle school as well, and then uh, moved back to Kansas City. So I definitely am, like, thankful for the ability to see, like, there was a lot of different, different types of athletes that I got to encounter. Like Minnesota is definitely like there was a lot bigger guys and then, you know, playing in the cold and everything like that. Um, and then Kansas, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of faster guys, leaner guys, everything like that. And then Omaha is definitely a mixture of the both because you have that rural and city aspect. So I definitely think being able to see everybody from different backgrounds and all different walks of life, uh, athletic, uh, athlete wise, uh, definitely helped me and was definitely cool to see and experience. Okay. So who are some of the best guys you played with or against, you know, whether they be teammates, whether they be, um, you know, guys you, you competed, you know, uh, who were on other teams? Who were some of the best that you ever saw? Um, definitely the first one that uh, sticks out to mind is uh, Isaiah Simmons. Played against him uh, at, oh. at Clemson. Oh. Huh? What was that? Sorry, I didn't catch that. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's all right. He'll do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's fairly decent. But, no, uh, definitely just <laughs> – like seeing a guy like that and playing against a guy like that who's like already who was already at the peak of physical ability in his junior and senior year of high school was definitely something that was cool and somewhat frightening at the same time, you know. <laughs> 
but uh, it definitely. Yeah. I was never. I, I was never. I never shied away from it. I would definitely embrace that, and like I always want to be able to go against the best of the best, and that was that was definitely awesome to be able to do. Okay. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, because wasn't he like the 200-meter champion at 200 and, what was he, about 210 then, 215? Yeah. <laughs> That's just Yeah, nuts. and he also, he also did jump, and <laughs> I mean, we were running. We, we would go again. We would do uh, track meets, and I just remember, like, I would be doing my jumps, and then uh, he would come in and almost jump out the pit, and then just be done with one <laughs> jump and call it a day. And it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hated guys like that. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I, played with one, I, played, I played with one guy. He was an um, All-American, consensus All-American safety at UCLA later on. But, you know, he was a he – was he played football, but he didn't really have another sport. He played basketball, but didn't really like it. His brother, Joe, was a great basketball player. His name was Matt Darby. And Matt was uh, drafted by the Bills and played on three, I think, of their four Super Bowl teams and then finished his career out in Arizona with the Cardinals. Uh, he got compared to Kenny Easley a lot because we had the same coach. Uh, our coach uh, that coached uh, – he, before he came to us, Coach West had coached um, – uh, Tommy Westick coached at Oscar C. Smith, where he had Kenny Easley, who recently was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ah, the return of <laughs> Eric Madwood. Hold on for just a second, Eric. Um, so this guy had never tripled up before in his life. So me and Rodney and Omar, uh, Dr. Omar was actually a pole vaulter, despite being the smallest pole vaulter the world's probably ever seen. But doctor, he's not Dr. Omar Brown. Shout out to Dr. Omar Brown. Um, we were, like, okay track athletes. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't get kicked off the team. But we weren't. We, we, we used to get the team valuable points in events that other people didn't want to do, I guess. Like, I ran the 800. Not because it was amazing at the running the 800, but because nobody else wanted to do it, right? Yep. So, um, <laughs> but I triple jumped a little. Right, that's nothing special, but I triple jumped a little. So we're showing this to Matt Darby. Matt Darby watches us a couple of times and then like goes like three quarter speed. This makes me so mad, even to this day. Goes like three quarter speed and goes like forty two feet. It's just oh my god, I hate these people. And by the, by the end of the year he'd broken all the school records, all the district records, all the re- records in the region. And by the end of his senior year, he owned the um, the state record that previously had been held by Al Toon, who was the tenth player drafted in the 1984 NFL draft, I think it was. Um, so to put it in perspective, he was the second wide receiver drafted, and the third wide receiver drafted that year was a guy named Jerry Lee Rice. So Al Toon had been a pretty good um, athlete as well, obviously, with yeah. a track and football athlete at Wisconsin. And uh, as Eric knows, yet another 757 athlete, he was out on the peninsula. I think he went to Kickatan. Don't quote me on that. But it was somewhere out, out there in, um, out on the peninsula where Alton went. I know that my uh, godbrother, who went to Denby, used to uh, compete against him. He used to just shake his head like, 
you know, I mean, my friend, uh, my friend, my godbrother, Chris, was a good track athlete. He competed in triple jump at the Air Force Academy, but he could do nothing with Altoon. Like, you know, just like you said with Isaiah Simmons, like Altoon would show up, go 40-something, 44 feet and change and be done. Like, well, yep. I'll wait, you know, for my award. <laughs> you guys went out second, third, and on down. Uh, yeah, exactly. God bless America. <laughs> So that is a humbling experience, I would imagine, Mr. Hoover. Oh, yeah. No, um, it's, it's getting the scene definitely is. <laughs> Could you guys see, like, live and in person, a future member of Bruce Stoneman's freak list? Okay. Um, so thank you for returning, Eric, because, one, you were killing it. I was like, maybe, I thought maybe just figure that's the best I can do. I'm out. He loved that beggar that's live. Drop the bike. And I thought maybe that was it. Like, oh, I can't top that. Eric decides to retire with his title untouched. Like Floyd Mayweather. Undefeated. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you came back because I was about to ask you a little bit more about your, your time and transition. So you, you mentioned, made it clear that you were at, well, three different schools, really. You spent a little time at um, West Virginia uh, State. Well, which used to be an HBCU, believe it or not. It had been founded yeah. as the black school in Virginia. Oh, you know this history. Okay. Um, the, um, a lot of great black athletes of the 20s and 30s, in fact, ended up, especially they're from that part of the country, some of them think they weren't, at West Virginia State. Um, and there's, I think, at least one great Negro League ball player of his plays there. Uh, there's a couple of great basketball players who, who played, played there back in the 40s and, and, uh, and 50s. And then they've had a couple of great football players, including, uh, well, Joe Gilliam Sr. played basketball and football there. He was a great assistant coach. His son, um, sadly, you know, uh, died young, but was a great football player named Joe Gilliam Jr. Jefferson Street, Joe Gilliam, they called him, uh, who also played there back in the day. Um, but, yeah, okay, so moving forward, talk about how different the systems were that you went from. So you don't, not only did you play different positions, but you played in different systems. So in both in the running and the passing game, what things were you asked to do differently from one scheme to the next to the next? Um, so I guess, I guess when I was at ODU, they kind of switched it up because uh, it started off as a spread, and then we uh, we converted over and we started doing RPO stuff. So, which is also pretty cool because that's what I did at Eastern Kentucky for the year that I was there. So it kind of wasn't too much. It wasn't too different uh, from my last year at ODU. Uh, but the thing that it's real hard for the offensive linemen in that RPO, that new system that everybody's kind of doing is that um, a, a lot of times you don't know whether the play is going to be a run or a pass because it's up to the quarterback. And then, you know, we get penalties for being 10 yards downfield when we're trying to block for the run, but the ball's been passed. So it's kind of like, you know, you, and the thing is you never really know. <laughs> so you just kind of just got to do your best with it. And sometimes you're faking, sometimes, sometimes you're trying to fool so, so often, what he's trying to explain is it's not some dirty cheating thing they're doing with their downfield or uh, way downfield on these guys. <laughs> it's still no. It's not their fault. I'm just trying to let you know, Ross. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's, I, don't, it's, I, don't, I don't know if I'm 100% sold, but, you know, we'll, we'll go with it. 
<laughs> so the next time, some 308-pound dude ear holes you, swallow the eyes down the field wall, but just remind yourself, oh, it's not his fault. You didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no clue. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so we will allow you, Eric, your quote-unquote plausible deniability on these um, illegal man downfield plays that are <laughs> single play at me. No, no bitterness. No, no bitterness. I'm not a former defensive back. I don't mind at all. Um, Luckily, I didn't have to deal with this foolishness. Uh, this came along after I was, I was just, but I still feel something. You know what I mean? Like, once you play safety, like, it never leaves you. Like, when I watch the stage, you saying bad or wrong. I feel a certain amount of shame myself. Like, I should go, you know, like, stand in the back and hold myself down or something. Like, I, I feel responsible. <laughs> I, I guess I have, a, I have a sickness. But I feel so responsible for safety. Oh, uh, when I'm just watching, like, oh.
three-three-five defense. Uh, so I was, uh, I played, yeah, <laughs> played both the free safety and the strong safety. So have to do it all. Be deep middle, come down fill the holes, play uh, um, play slots man to man. Because I also played that uh, nickel position as well. But yeah, did it. Pretty much has to do it all. <laughs> so, so all you all you have to do in your system is be Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. Child play. Yeah, exactly. Oh my. No, nope, no, no pressure. <laughs> so you did actually have to come down and sometimes engage in hand-to-hand combat with dudes who were 300 plus pounds. Oh yeah, yeah. But I would definitely say that. Uh, my coach was asking me to do that. I was more scared of them than I was of that 300-plus pound dude if I had got my assignment wrong. Yeah, right. Well done. <laughs> Good point. Uh, so I'm going to take you back to JUCO for a minute because I, I think we don't spend enough time talking about JUCO football. It is a beast all unto itself. It is definitely not high school football, but it's also not – you know, it's different when you get to your four-year institution. It's, it's oh, yeah. got lots of different special things going on. I've known guys who've gone the JUCO route and slept in their car for a month and a half or were, like, doing pizza delivery. So they, one, so they'd have a little bit of money. Two, because it was, they'd have a meal plan, so they would eat whatever didn't get delivered. Um, it's, it's, it's hectic. So... Tell me how you ended up going the JUCO route, and then you can tell me more about what that experience was like. Okay. Um, so coming out of, like, my junior, end of my junior year, that's when I ended up moving back to Kansas, uh, Kansas City, and went to Blue Valley and just I played there uh, my senior year. Didn't have, uh, like, a fantastic year. So I would definitely say I wasn't. Uh, highly looked at or highly sought after, but I mean, I knew I could play, um, and I thought, just talking with uh, the recruiter who had come and talked to me about Hutch, and then I went on the official visit there, um, I really enjoyed it, and it just seemed like a good fit for me in general. Okay. And then... And as you mentioned, you'd seen... Yeah, that, please. No, that, please. Oh, no, uh, then uh, just getting there and, uh, like, you have this expectation of how college football is supposed to, is, like, going to go. Like, everybody tells you it's not going to be easy, and it's not. But then going to JUCO, you find out it's ten times harder than you already thought it was going to be <laughs> because there's little to no regulations. And, yeah, no, I think – we had the freshman mini camp, um, and the first or second day, somebody left their locker, uh, like didn't clean up their locker, so we bear crawled the track the next day in like a hundred degree heat. So that was fun. Was that your welcome to junior college football moment? Was that the moment you were like, oh, this is a little different than everything else I've ever done in my life. Yeah, that was that was definitely the moment where I was like, okay, this is like this is where they're gonna they're gonna try to separate the people who 
really want to play football and really love it. <laughs> right, right. Do you like playing football or are you a football player? Speaking of football exactly. players, I'm going to switch back to Eric. So, Eric, yeah. you also had a welcome to college. You had a few, I guess, welcome to college football moments in your life. Um, tell me what was it that let you know that, okay, it's not high school anymore. Um, oh, man. It's, uh, you know, being on the line is really, it's really difficult because, you know, a lot of guys aren't ready to play offensive line coming in as a freshman. <laughs> Rarely anybody. So I remember my, uh, this one's, this one sucks to tell, but I mean, everybody knows they get beat every now and then. So we were doing one-on-one and, uh. We had a uh, we had a nose guard at uh, Old Dominion who now plays right guard. He started ten games this year uh, at right guard. Oh, Rashad, Rashad Coward, right? Yes, yes, it was Rashad Coward. Yes, um, he was begging. So I'm I'm lined up at right tackle, and he's all of six six, three hundred and twenty five pounds at the time, and I'm all of <laughs> six foot four, three maybe 295, and I'm at tackle, and he's begging our D-line coach, Coach Kamish. Uh, he was like, Coach, let me let me, let me me get in the end. Let me get in the end. So, I mean, of course, he lines up across the <laughs> end. I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna give it all I got. <laughs> I'm going to give it all I got, but he's, I think, I don't know, I think he was a couple years ahead of me. Um, he, told, he told Rashad, he was like, no bull rushing, though. No bull rushing. Work a move. And... Uh, <laughs> The he, he, uh, the one on one went off and he uh, bull rushed me right down the middle, put me on my back, and I was like, okay, this is uh, this this is college football. This is D one football. Never again. <laughs> Never again. Yeah, it's, it is a different world. That was probably the worst one. I think we've been joined by. I think we've been joined by Eddie Hamilton as well. But you, Eddie. Yes, sir. My yes, pleasure. Sir, so, I, I'm excited because I don't often get to have too many people who know my neck of the woods. I went to Green Run High School myself, which is an State university. Um, I spent much of my formative years in beautiful Virginia Beach, Virginia, so it's very exciting to okay. have some people that okay. uh, have a connection to the Todd better as well. Uh, hey, so right. very right. happy to have you. <laughs> very happy, very happy to have you on. Um, so I will begin at the beginning, like I do with everybody. Uh, what sports did you play first? Like when you first started out, and who was it uh, that got you started as an athlete? Oh man, my first sport I ever played, I was probably like eight years old. My father and my mother had me playing soccer off the rip. They was like, yeah, man, if you go play a sport, you're going to get some endurance first. And I doggone sure got it. Running up and down that field. <laughs> okay. <man. laughs> but uh, my father actually was playing a semi-pro football at the time when I was eight. So he used to have me um, in my backyard. He used to set up cone drills and everything like that. And everything that he was doing, me and my brother used to follow through, you know, and do our little thing too, you know. So at, at a young age, I was kind of looking up to my father. Um, especially seeing him almost have an opportunity to play for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. 
um, I was I, I was just, I was delved into football very early. I mean, my uncles loved it. You know, and you know when your uncle show up to the cookout and they all talk about football, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta tune in. You know, so. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you should mention that. Now, I'm okay. I promise, it's the last time I get ready to just talk about my my love for my for my home home area, my hometown. But I had two cousins that played at Lafayette High School, and they were a few years older than me, and they played with Lawrence Taylor. And so, uh, Tori and Thomas Johnson. Shout out to my cousins, Tori and Tomas. So okay. I would go to see Tori and Tomas play. Well, originally it was to see Tori and my cousins play. It turned into watching Lawrence Taylor play. Uh, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> for those of you who never got a chance to see Lawrence Taylor play in person, it's one of those experiences you will never forget. <laughs> um, first of all, I mean, he's not enormous, but he's big. I mean, he's probably about six, one and a half by that point, probably about 224 pounds. But like someone talked about their Isaiah Simmons experience, he's moving at a different speed. He's running down screenplays from the backside. He's, I mean, he's making every play on his side of the field and almost every play on the other side of the field. Oh, you right. can't escape him. I mean, no team is intentionally running plays towards him, but sometimes, you know, things happen. So... It's just Lawrence Taylor versus the world, it seems like. And so uh, one of my cousins was a linebacker, so he played like with, with Lawrence Taylor, who mostly played defensive end, actually, but sometimes he would step back off the line. And my other cousin played the end. So they both, one was, um, they were twins, but one had been left back, I'll, you know, whatever, tell the truth, shame the devil. So they were, even though they were twins, they were in different years. Um, so two of those twins were different years. So one was one was a senior when Lawrence Taylor was, the other was a junior when Lawrence Taylor was. They also played basketball with him, and they just had the stories. I mean, once again, that's for another time, another place. But they just had nothing but stories about freak show things they saw Lawrence Taylor do in practice. <laughs> just all. The, I guess I guess yeah, Bruce Smith play up close too. I guess yeah. Bruce Smith play up close. Yeah. I went to so I, I went to Lake Taylor Junior High School before we we lived in Norfolk first, then we moved, and so. I was playing at the junior high level because it, in my, some places don't have junior high football where I grew up, and I don't know if it's so true, we had junior high school football. So I was on the junior high school team for Lawrence, for, uh, say, uh, for Lake Taylor. And so we would go to see the high school team because we would, we would play during the week and they would play on Friday night. So we'd play like Wednesday or Thursday night. And so we would go play, see them. And so our team, Lawrence, uh, Lake Taylor, was going to play um, Booker T. Washington. And this is Booker T. Washington had Lawrence Taylor and a kid named Slug Melton. I don't know if ever became a, the other kid, but they had these two defensive tackles who were huge and could move. <laughs> so uh, people, well, like people don't realize Bruce Smith was, was, was a big, chubby kid. He, he later got in better shape, but he was like 300 and something in high school. But he could still move like Bruce Smith, um, which doesn't seem fair. And then he doesn't right. have quite the same endurance he had later. And then um, there's this kid, Melton, who was like probably 3'10". I could move. Not quite like Bruce Smith could move for a 3'10". So we did nothing with him. They just ate us a lot. And I, I saw for the first time, like I understood that some people are just better than other people, but when I saw that game, I saw our best players, our best linemen, best I saw, I saw the spirit, like, die in their eyes. Like, I was like, man, I don't know high school football's for me. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Dude, I was, right. I was like 100 and 
17 pounds probably. Um, and I'm like, look at, and I said linebacker at the time. And I'm looking at these dudes, I'm like, I don't know, maybe, you know, the wrestling's cool too, but, you know, so I'm trying to figure out, like, maybe, maybe this isn't it. Uh, but it was, right. it was a wake-up call. Like, did people like this, there's people like Lawrence Taylor, people like Bruce Smith. And I think see some of them. Luckily, no one quite like that. And, you know, I was playing defensive back by the time I got to high school. Thank God. Um, so, <laughs> right. it, it, it's a, okay, enough, I guess, for the last time. No more, no, I, I've loved this, having people from my hometown, because it's like, it's trigger plays memories. Um, so, Eddie, you rank, what position did you play in soccer, or do you remember? Um, I actually don't remember. I was I was I was a scorer. I, I don't remember the the name of the position, but I was in the middle of the field, and whenever the ball was kicked, I was just kicking and running. I was just I was trying to get it in there. That's all I remember. Yeah, I play. Okay, I play sounds play. like you're playing middle half. Uh, <laughs> sounds like now, somebody knows soccer better than me. Feel free to chime in. That sounds like middle half. Okay, so you're playing once again playmaking position, um, and then. You're around football. Did you play other sports like soccer and football when you were a kid? Um, I played t-ball, uh, soccer, baseball, basketball. Yep. Yeah. So I played okay. basketball. And, and what kind of what kind of what kind of what kind of what what, position, what positions did you play, or, or how did you play when you played baseball and uh, basketball? Well, baseball, I just I just hit. I wasn't a, a field player. Uh, wait, no, actually, no, I was uh. I was third base. Yeah, no, I was third. I was third base. Oh, okay. And this is crazy. This is crazy. I remember this because I wanted to catch the ball so bad. Now I didn't catch it all the time as a kid because you know I'm I'm too busy focused on airplanes and and everything else. You know, this is probably like <laughs> I want to say like nine maybe. So I'm still in that little phase where I'm looking yep. at everything else instead of the ball game. So. Yeah, man, but I wanted to catch it. I wanted to catch it so bad, and my coach saw my uh, saw my passion to catch it. He was like, yeah, I'm going to have you at third. I'm not going to have you at home, but I'm going to have you at third. Um, and then basketball, I played probably okay. forward because I was very physical. I wanted to uh, I wanted to bully kids. But, um, man, I would, get that, I would get that fast break, and I'd be running down, and I'm smiling, and my dad's like, oh, he's about to mess up if he keeps smiling. And here I go, break. <laughs> <laughs> But okay. Yeah, man, I, I so you were basically like a football player, even when you played basketball. You were still a football player, it sounds like. Yup. Still, still thinking defensively. Still having that, still having that head on the swivel, like I'm on, like I'm on the football field. That's why okay. I came up with like got a lot it. of skills. I'm gonna come back to Jelani. Yeah, yep. I got it. <clears throat> I'm gonna throw you back to Jelani. So you mentioned your physical development. How you went from being a kind of a slender guy to getting bigger and bigger. Excuse me. Was that intentional? Was that just uh, your sort of natural filling out, getting your man's body? What was that about when you were getting bigger? Jelani? Still with me? Yeah, Jelani Taylor? You still with me? Oh, sorry. Uh, Jelani? Oh, no, no problem. I was just saying, you mentioned that you went through a phase of your career where you went from about 185 to 200 plus. Tell me, was that intentional? Was that just you, you know, natural filling out? And uh, how did that change you? 
physically when you got bigger? Um, I definitely think uh, it was it was definitely intentional just because I knew that if I wanted to continue on playing at the at a high level, I needed to get uh, needed to get bigger while still maintaining uh, the speed and if I wanted to stay in the backfield. But uh, it was definitely an adjustment, uh, putting on that weight and then making sure it was good weight so I could still move around. Um, but I definitely feel as though it was the right move. And uh, it was also, I would also definitely say it was natural filling out as well. Like I was definitely a late bloomer uh, when it comes to like size and everything like that. So the more I lifted, the more I, like, really started to enjoy it. And then uh, the rest is kind of history from there. Uh, um, Once I was able to fill out more, I was definitely able to focus more on uh, keeping my hips under me and uh, keeping my technique sound as well. Okay. So you mentioned the weight room, and that's another thing that I think people might not – realize how much time and energy, how much everything is knit and built in the weight room. So let's spend a tiny bit of your your time on that. When did you really begin to embrace the weight room as a part of your development as a player, and and who helped you to do that? Um, I would definitely say it was like the spring of – 2017, like my first spring uh, at Hutchinson, uh, and it was uh, it was actually a teammate of mine or two teammates, uh, Story Jackson and Devin Miller. Uh, one was a safety, wait, and the other was a wait, linebacker. Wait, hold on. Wait a second. Wait a second. Story Jackson, I know that name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, another, I've, another, I've seen a fair amount of that. North Cat. Oh, yeah, okay. no, but he was he okay. was uh, well, yeah. definitely a big guy. Oh, sorry, what was that? No, 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 that. Oh, uh, no, but he was definitely a a big cat, and uh, just the way he moved weight and uh, how he handled it, I definitely wanted to be able to, like, I definitely, like, whenever we were in the weight room, I definitely made it a point to be lifting with him, just because I knew he would push me. And uh, uh, I would push him right back. And the more I lifted, the more the stronger I got. That's definitely what we did. And yeah, no, I definitely think that while it's not the most important thing, uh, I definitely feel like the weight room is overlooked. Um, just because, like, you don't have to be you don't have to be moving a bunch of weight, uh, but just to be able to work on your mobility and get a feel for weight and how it feels under you definitely helps when you're uh, um, going against different size guys on the field. Sure. And even beyond that, as part of where you build that bond, I have people who are around the Oklahoma program talking about that's how Jalen Hurts won his teammates over. You know, they had a couple of quarterbacks. You know, it's Oklahoma. It's not like – even though they've lost some quarterbacks, they still have some quarterbacks. There was like yeah. there was nobody playing quarterback when he came in as a graduate transfer. And he, once again, he didn't come in way before the season. He came in fairly late in the process. Mm-hmm. And sort of that, who's this guy? And 
how do we know he's better than the guys we had and all that stuff? You know how it is. But, uh, I mean, you got, some of you guys have been the transfer, been the new guy. And you know how yeah. the team looks at you at first. So we'll spend some time on being the new guy and how you win him over it. That was how Jalen Hurts did it. He was the hardest worker, bar one, in the weight room. Bar none. Harder than the offensive lineman, harder than the whoever. Name somebody. The guy who was getting in there first and leaving last was Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. That's how he won over his teammates. And, of course, he's also freakishly strong. He might be the strongest yeah. quarterback of all time. <laughs> he is ludicrously strong. Uh, <laughs> if people talk about Tebow lifting with the linemen, Tebow was lifting with the linemen, but he wasn't outlifting the linemen. <laughs> That's where Jalen Hurts is just outlifting linemen. It's just ludicrous, just crazy numbers. Uh, so yeah. spend some time on this, and I'll, I'll ask everybody uh, to just to brag. So, obviously, we're going to count for the fact that you are a safety and not an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, but Tell me about your, your weight room exploits. Uh, what are your favorite lifts, and what are your personal records in the weight room? Um, I definitely I enjoy uh, lower, lower body lifts, uh, like hand clean uh, and then squat. Um, I think this past, uh, past offseason, I went, uh, I got 310 on hand clean, and then uh, 485 on squat. Went back and tried to get uh, 500, but couldn't couldn't get it up. But I definitely think I'm like just continue on lifting. I definitely think I'm there now. I haven't retested or anything like that. Um, sure. But, uh, right. I get it. And you're working on different stuff now, but that's impressive. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Ahead, <laughs> no, but I, de- I definitely huh. like, you bringing up the whole <laughs> Jalen Hurts thing. Um, Definitely uh, made me think about my time back uh, in transferring from Hutchinson to uh, Emporia State, and it's 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 definitely you want to show out in everything uh, that you can to kind of get your get your foot in the door when you get there because you are the new guy and you're starting all over again. I definitely think things like that, like competitions and stuff like that, like proving yourself on. Uh, uh, whatever it is uh, that you do and earning your earning your way that that way is definitely important as well. And I definitely think that I did that and that's yeah. uh, why uh, uh, my team started to respect me uh, more and more. Like I wasn't an official uh, team captain, but I was, it's called a Iron Hornet officer. Um, the title that I mm-hmm. earned where you're, it's uh, the coach is choosing you and then your teammates choosing you uh, based on your, not so much your outspoken leadership, but your leadership uh, in the classroom, uh, on the field, just how you carry yourself in general. So I was definitely honored to receive that from my team. Okay. And I'll I'll jump back to you, Eric, because you got to be the new guy at two different schools. Um, Well, that's three if you want to count being a freshman. Uh, tell me about that, and 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 then tell me about your weight room experiences and favorite lifts and things like that. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's it's never easy being the new guy because you never know what you know. I mean, you get there and it's just a bunch of people. They don't know who you are. They don't know what kind of guy you are. So I mean, but you know, also at the same time, being the offensive lineman, like they kind of. It's just like it's a fraternity within its own. Like once you get there, they kind of corral you and 
you're at their house hanging out with them, doing whatever they, they're they doing. You guys are always together. And that's one thing that's really cool about the offensive line, you know, aspect of college football is you'll always find them together. If, if no matter what they're doing, no matter where they're going, we're always together. So I never really had a problem sticking in anywhere when it came to being the new guy because, like, they're always there for you. But um, when it, I guess when it comes to the lifts, um, I always loved squat day. I always loved squat day. That was, that was the biggest, the biggest, uh, the biggest day of the year. And in, in, in some, uh, and when it comes to the off season, everybody wanted to get, see what their squat was at. See, uh, you know, there was more, there was hype around it. I know ODU gets like, uh, I know, I think this past year they got a DJ in there for it. <laughs> they had a live DJ in there while they were doing the squat day. <laughs> so it was just, you know, it's oh, man, like you took it today. <laughs> yeah, it makes it exciting and definitely like you want to, you know, you want to have great numbers and you know they're in there videotaping us and you, I mean, you've been working all off season to you know for that and you know it's it's good to see you know your progression and how how much you jumped from last year, but yeah, definitely squat was always my favorite. Okay. Um, and do you know what your, your personal records might be um, in uh, that lift or any lift? I think the most that I've ever done for squat was around, it was, I think I failed, I think I failed at 500. I think I got up to 495. Uh, bench was probably the last max I did because I don't, I didn't max at Eastern Kentucky. The last max I did for bench was, I think, was 350. And then hang clean was probably around 315. Okay. Okay, got it. And I can't, I can't leave Mr. Hamilton out of the party. So tell me a little bit about your one of sort of that being the, when you've been the new guy, how do you – you know, win the respect or win the trust of your teammates, and then we'll talk about that time that you spend in the weight room and, and what it's allowed you to do as an athlete. Oh, yeah, man. Um, I'm not going to lie, man. Winning my teammates wasn't hard for me. Uh, I walked in there. I'm all the six foot, uh, um, six foot five, 240, and I got guys looking at me like, oh, like he, he looks like, you know, he he looks different. And I'm like, and it's funny because I'm in New Jersey, and and I'm from and I'm from Virginia. And they're like, oh, yep, that's one of them down south boys. I'm like, what? I didn't even do nothing. Y'all don't even know if I'm strong yet. They're like, no, nah, we know you're strong. Screw it. No, nah, we're good. I'm like, yo, y'all ain't <laughs> the bar. Now y'all sitting in the bar, too dog on high. Now I'm gonna come up here and be weak, and y'all gonna be mad at me. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> no, man. But man, it was hilarious, man. It was so funny, man, because I get all the down south jokes. All that stuff, man. So I didn't even the 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 growing together part literally came from all the captains just taking on me. It was awesome, man. It was awesome. So I, uh, man, Rowan really accepted me, man. It was dope. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. It was dope. That was something I never really had to work on, and something I'm really really proud of um, is that you know the way that the captains handled me and uh, the way the coaches introduced me to all the players, and we all had these like little quirky things we had to do like during camp. And I loved it because, you know, we had to introduce all the freshmen. I know probably every school's done this, where, you know, 
first day of camp, all the freshmen get introduced. You know, you got to say something interesting about yourself or whatever, and then you got to do something, something, something silly. So I ended up singing like "Pretty Wings" by Maxwell, and everybody's joking on me and everything. So it was awesome. Yeah, man. But um, but as of the weight room, um, I walked in there. Um, uh, my well, my personal best hello? um was my my per- my personal best. For- hello. Hello. You know this is this Cecil. Oh, hey Cecil. Um, stay, hang on for me. Uh, right now we've got Eddie Hamilton. We've got oh, we've got a nice little group now. Uh, we've got Eric Magwood, and I believe I've still got Jelani, correct? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Jelani, you still with me? Okay. Cool, cool, yeah. Cool. Uh, okay, uh, so uh, just hold on for a second, people. Yeah, I can hold tight. Excellent. But, uh, okay, you may continue with your story, Eddie, because you're a great storyteller. <laughs> But um, but uh, so my actual personal best um on bench was uh 365. But we uh, we don't really do max like we. So my my we had to do 365 for three. So my max on bench is 365 for three. So I don't know what my one rep max is, and then my max on squat is uh five five oh, no it's five ten. So we did five, I did five ten for three. So like I said, I don't know what my one rep max is. But um, but I I figure it's somewhere around like maybe what uh five twenty maybe five twenty five I don't okay. know but yeah but yeah man five ten okay. I mean, well I mean, topic of the topic of my first champion for the day at least um did you guys <laughs> do any hang or power clean yeah yeah we did hang cleans my hang clean max was actually two seventy yeah so 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 that so that inexperience from not playing high school football kind of rubbed in there on that because that that's that's all technique and, and mechanics, and I feel like that was something that I definitely, definitely still am working on, even with my uh, my personal trainer now working on my mechanics for that. Okay, got it. And you're right; that is very much technique. So I'm going to swing around to Cecil. Thank you so much, Cecil. Um, glad to have you. Glad you made time. I know a lot's going on. I'm going to start you where I start everybody with the beginning. Tell me how you got started as an athlete. Was it a friend, a family member, a neighbor? Who got you started? As an athlete. And as an athlete. What sports did you originally play? Um, yes. I will, um, when I was younger, I used to do track in, um, in Georgia and play basketball, but I had came down. I was born in Frostburg, Florida. Um, what, what happened was my dad used to run the little leagues. He did it over like 30 years now, now, and he used to um, I used to play like three games a day in football, which I found out that I really liked the football and I started taking it serious. And then ever since then, I just kept going, kept going from there, and I really started taking it more serious after I seen my brother Demetrius Sherry start getting college letters. And I'm opening the letters because we got the same last name. And I was a younger, young young bug, and I'm like, wow, I want to do this. And my dad like, if you want to do it, you got to put your mind to it. Okay. Got yeah, it. So when my, what happened was All when, right. my dad got, when my dad had got me, when he had got me when he got out of prison, I was gave away as a baby. And then next thing you know, he had came and got me. And he gave him back, and he said he took a course called Save Yours, and he got me back once he found me. And next thing you know, everything there, he just started giving back to the community, which 
picking up kids, signing them up for football, being the president of Frog Through Little League. And he took me to Lake Wells to advance league because he found out that league I was in was too I was too experienced for them and moved me back to Frostproof and that's where my mother's side from so that's why I'll be in from Frostproof. So you're from you're from a couple of different places. It sounds like you moved around a little bit. Um but one some of the places you're from are places where a lot of football talents come from. Yes sir. Yes sir most definitely. Yes sir. Uh, so, with that, we could spend, I guess, the rest of the show on if we try to name everybody. But give give us a flavor of some of the dudes that are from your neck of the woods. Um, you got you got first off Alvin Hopper, who was the um, first round that came out. That's like an uncle. Um, you got Travis Henry, yep. another one like an uncle. Um, you got. Nikhil Coburn Roman, I know him. Went to school with, played with him when he was on varsity as an eighth grader. Well, seventh grade, I moved up for a game, and then I fully started on eighth grade on varsity. Um, you got my brother Demetrius that played with the Forty Niners. Um, what I mean by Roman, Nikhil Coburn Roman that played with the Rams. So all this came from that little era of cross group. I go on and on from saying Polk County from there, Ray Lewis. A lot of people came out of the era. Dern James, I played with him. So, I mean, it's 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 a competitive county, and it's everybody really trying to really put on for their city, like coming from Frost Group. Like, it's, man, it's Orange Trees and Lakeview Park, a community small, and it's just like it, it expands your, your growth of life when you visit different towns and, I mean, football done took me everywhere with God and faith. So. We learned to, to compete early. I mean, if it's drinking a glass of water, I'm going to try to drink it fast with you. And that's that's a big thing coming from my family of the cherry side. We got a lot of competitors. Even though they're old, they sit on a tree in Lake Wells, um, compete on playing spades. It's like it's a competitive family. So, I mean, with that drive in me, I could use it on sports and I could – use it as education-wise, too. And that's what I did. Okay. Now, I'm going to swing back over to Jelani. Thank you so much for your patience. Tell me about yeah. now that you are in your, you know, your final uh Stretch run, I'll use an old track term, right? You're rounding that, that last curve, you're headed for home on the, on the last turn. When you know that it's your, your last year of playing college football, a lot of guys, uh, some guys will sit down and they'll set goals. So I knew a guy that got, you know, certain things he wanted to do, literally like cut into his head at the barbershop. How many yards he wanted to get, touchdowns, all that stuff. People set goals different ways. Tell me about the goals that you set for yourself going into that final season. Uh, whether it be personal goals, team goals, what goals did you set and how close do you, did you think you came to achieving them? Um, sorry, uh, I don't want to – I don't mean to correct you, but uh, what are you saying, uh, my, na- my name? How are you saying my name? Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I thought I said Jelani. Did I get that wrong? Oh, yeah, it's uh, Lawson. I thought, okay, I thought I had Jelani. Okay. Oh, Jelani, that's right. Jelani has, that's right. 
I was Johnny is already gone. Correct. Thank you. Lawson. <laughs> you I know who you are. I just lost track of how many different people there. Right. I have no, lost five different villains. Yeah, okay. But yes. Lawson Hoover, Emporia State. Safety, one of my favorites. Uh, if you, believe it or not, despite that little mental, you know, mistake. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mental mistakes, right? That's what Coach Drive Coach is nuts. They, hate, they, they can live with physical mistakes, they make mental mistakes. I got to do some push-ups now. So what did you do in terms of setting goals? I will. I'll do like 25 push-ups. I, I, I went to the, to the guys. But um, tell me about it. How did you set goals and what goals did you set for yourself and the team? Um, I think coming into it just because, like, as far as – I'll start with team goals. I mean, we just wanted to obviously be the best in the conference. But, I mean, obviously we didn't achieve that. But as that went, uh, as that went on, like, it was – it sort of changed from being the best in the conference to just taking every game, game by game, and just being – uh, the best we could be in that aspect. And then as far as, like, defensive goals, uh, we had a lot of older guys, uh, and the, we had a lot of older guys this year on the defensive side. So I definitely think that that helped in, like, showing the way for the, for the younger guys and just being able to show that um, enough, isn't, enough is never enough. And, like, you can always find different ways to be better. Um, and, like, I say that by – and I mean that, like, we had a saying where find your find your 1%, and that's kind of the motto we live by. Find your 1% today. Like, you can always find something to be better at today, whatever it may be. And just kind of uh, finding a new goal every day that you can uh, achieve within that day. Um, and just be better. And then as far as personal goals, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't leave anything uh, didn't leave anything out there that I would regret later on in life. Um, so just using the most of my opportunities um, and then just being a guy that my teammates could call when I was gone, uh, just to like even though I'm not like a part of the a part of the team, quote unquote that, uh, younger guys could still feel able that they could call me up and if they were going through something or needed help with anything that I could be that guy for them. Um, but one, one goal that I did yeah. set for myself, like statistic wise was definitely lead the conference in interceptions. And, uh, uh, I definitely, I achieved that. So that was, that was big. That was big time for me. I definitely, uh, felt good about that. Excellent. I'm going to do a quick head count. So one, I will not be calling people by the wrong name anymore. Two, I can figure out if someone else has hopped on. So um, Bryce Huff, are you with me? Yes, I'm here. Okay, but I'm Bryce yet. Oh, we do. Okay, we do have Bryce Huff. Okay, so I've got Bryce. Um, I have Lawson. I yes. have. I believe I still have Eric Magwood. Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Good. Eddie Hamilton? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, first of all, um, you're all here because you're players that I have had the joy of watching, and I wish more people had seen some of you. Some of you have been seen, and I'm surprised that people don't seem to have more respect for what they've seen. 
Uh, so, yeah. Bryce, I'm just going to say it flat out. You're, you're one of my favorite players in this draft class at your position. I think you're going to be a really good NFL football player. <laughs> and I, I'll just say it. It, to me, is an utter shame that you were not invited to the NFL scouting combine. I, I think it's nuts. I just think it's crazy. So we'll talk more about this moment. I just want to get that off my chest. Woosha. I can let it go and move on, but I just had to say it because I, my mind is blown. Um, there are guys, and some of you guys are, are guys here, who I think if more people had seen you, you would have been at a bigger all-star game. I mean, exposure is everything. Uh, I, I wish it weren't that way. I wish people would say, you know, it's all, you know, talent always wins out. No, it's not always true. Talent doesn't always win out. I mean, look at what it takes for, for Raheem Mostert to finally get his chance. This is a guy who's, you know, a terrific track athlete. Speaking of track, we talk about track a lot. Terrific track athlete, won, was a sprint champion at Purdue. Played, frankly, on some Purdue teams that were – I'm going to try to be kind, um, we're overmatched most of the time, and they didn't exactly establish the run on the Purdue. But every time we touched football, they made something really good happen. And I kept telling people, man, this kid, Raheem Mostert, he's really good. He was on my all-underpreciated team, as many of you guys are, and I, I just feel happy that he played that took seven. He got, he got cut seven times. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean, it's a really tough – it's tough. The NFL's tough. It's tough for everybody. But he's a good enough player. He's not been cut seven times. But it's a great lesson of, one, how bad do you want it, right? Because most people on set number three or four are like, well, how do you run? Maybe I can put this degree to work. <laughs> but it keeps yeah. coming back, right? To get cut by the same team more than once, hats off to Raheem Mostert. That guy is a champion in my book. Okay, moving on. Um, back to, in fact, Eric Magwood. So, Eric, it's, uh, you know, pro day, combine, whatever season. Um, so, same question I had when I just asked uh, to Lawson. Uh, so, you're going to your, your last chance to be a college football player. Tell me about some of the things that you wanted to accomplish how did you decide what things you, were important to you, and and how close did you come to achieving those things? Um, so I guess I mean being an offensive lineman, uh, there's no real glory in my position. Uh, nope. I really I'm really there just for uh, you know for my teammates. I want them to you know I want them to get what they need to get, and I mean I'm all for the team. So I mean the goals that I would set, the goals that I did set was I wanted to lead the uh, the OVC in rushing this year which we, we did, we accomplished that. And uh, obviously I wanted to win conference, which we fell a little short. We finished seven and five and uh, five and three in the conference. So, I mean, we, and, and the thing is, the sad thing was that every game that we played was uh, just a couple scores away. I mean, we were, we were literally just, you know, a, like maybe 14, the 14 points away from making the playoffs this year. So, yeah, it's uh, and that's why coaches push us, right? They always say, you know, this play, this whatever, this. We never know what the thing is that ends up making all the difference. So, yeah, you had a great season, though, and as you said, you accomplished the team accomplished a lot of goals, but unfortunately, you didn't get a chance to, you know, to to uh, go down to it's not Texas anymore. Is it? 
Is it still, it's not Frisco, Texas anymore, is it? It's uh, where did they have the? My poor brain. You, but it used to be Frisco, Texas, a long time. <laughs> you said what is it now? But yeah, I guess I don't know where you guys. I don't know where would you guys have gone if you had made it. Do you know where you where you would have gone in terms of your first uh, playoff game in oh, in your uh, region? What was it? They played so Austin P won our conference. Yeah, Austin P won. Yeah, Austin P won. Yeah, they went to play Furman. They went to play Furman. Simo went to Simo played Illinois State, and then uh, I think I played against these. Yep. You yeah, Mar was in the Oh. Yeah, they we beat, oh. they beat up thirty one to uh they beat up thirty four to twenty four, I think. Yeah, I remember that one. Oh. oh I bet. I bet he does as well. Um, <laughs> so, so, congratulations to uh Cecil Cherry, obviously. Um but I'll be back to you in a second, Cecil, because I have questions for you. But I'm I'm gonna swing over to Bryce real quick. So as you you, you sort of uh let me know. You said, I'm going to control what I can control. And Bryce, that's a great attitude. So, well, good on you that you're not, you know, smashing things or, you know, <laughs> driving and crying and listening to Drake and whatever. So I want to you to, to lay out for me how you became, you know, number 55. Uh, how did you start out? Were you – did you come from an athletic family? Did you have parents that sort of got you started? How did you first start as an athlete, and what sports did you play originally? Uh, well, I first started out as an athlete when I was four years old, uh, playing football. And uh, uh, growing up, I just always played football because my brother did. He was just so cold, like, as a kid. So that, that's what inspired me to start playing. And uh, my dad was a big supporter of us at a young age, like, just getting into sports and stuff. And then uh, we also played baseball, too. And then I played basketball for a few years. Uh, I played for a little bit in middle school, like in in park in the park leagues or whatever. But I really just stuck with football throughout everything else. And then I played, I ran track, ran and did track and field in high school too. So, yeah. Okay. And um, Lawson had some pretty ridiculous stories of uh, having to face as they exhibits in track and field. Uh, tell us a little bit about your track and field exploits. Uh, what events and and what were some of your records? Uh, I well, I ran in in the, in the regular season in track. I ran the two hundred, the four by four, four by one, and the eight hundred, just because like my team needed guys to <laughs> fill in spots at uh at some of the meets. Okay. Uh, I did. I okay, did. so go ahead. What you saying? Oh, well, I did. I did. I did I, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> was like my main um. My main event, and I went state and shot put two years in a row. That was like my main thing. Okay. What was your PR? What was your What was your PR in shot put? I think like fifty eight, fifty nine. Yeah, that's that's not too shabby. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, I don't think I've ever had this many people who run the eight hundred on. I've done this a long time, at one time. Uh, so congratulations and condolences. To people who participated in the 800 meter race, um, I, I too have had that that experience. I am very pleased to have that experience in my past uh, and not in my future or my present. So, I mean, you're not a small kid. You're doing the shot put and running the 800 
that you don't see that combination done very often. I guess but it's like you're doing the four hundred, you're doing the. I mean, you are an unusual person. Um, I'm trying to people. I mean, there's a you know, that's like a Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker kind of deal where you say, okay, well, this guy can do this. Oh, and also win the shot put. Yeah. Okay. We, we had a lot. We had and a lot. we had to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. I see that. Uh, so. Tell me a little bit about your hometown and some of the other athletes that you may have interacted with growing up. Who are some of the other, you know, cats that, that are from where you're from and, and some of the guys you might have faced, some guys you might have played with or against? Um, well, some of the guys I grew up with are mainly people that were uh, playing, like older guys that played with my brother, like uh, Trey Williams that played at Auburn, Xavier, uh, Xavier Carmichael played at Duke, both of them are linebackers. Uh, Brian Slater is the guy that went to Troy. These guys that I grew up around for the most part, but there's a good a, a good bit of guys that come out of my area from uh, Mobile, like uh, AJ McCann, yes. Mark Man, uh, Chevis Jackson. Like there's tons of guys. There's Phylon. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, and I remember, you know, when Nick Fairley and Jamarcus Russell and all those guys were running around. But yes, yes, it's a Talent-rich environment, obviously. Um, so, Cecil, I'll, I'll pick back up with you for a second. When did you discover the kind of player you were going to be? Like, figured out what position and sort of what your style of play is going to be? Because obviously when you're little, you play a bunch of different positions, running back and quarterback and whatever, a bunch of different things. When did you settle in at your position, and how did you know that was for you? I mean, once um, I had started getting off, because I had first got my offer from Florida Gators in the eighth grade. And then that's thing, you know, they seen me like, oh, you're a, a predominant Mike linebacker. But I played running back, like you said, I played everything. And then that's thing, you know, I just took that linebacker, that IQ of being the quarterback of the defense and started learning progress over years of college. And I really just started – Taking that and like, all oh, right, this is my thing. I love to be in traffic. I love to direct traffic. I love to be the leader. So, I mean, you got to be a head buster in the middle. I mean, that's what I, that's what I love. Just like a coach is love when people you gotta have the courage. You gotta, you know, what I'm saying, I don't want to wait for somebody to set the tone. I love to set the tone first. I got it. No, coaches love when you talk like that. Coaches love that. Um, so. I'm going to jump back to the first two guys I had on because I'm about to wrap up with both Eric and Lawson. Um, so, Eric, now yeah. you're in an interesting place in your life. Um, you're no longer part of anyone's team, at least not as an active you know, player as anyone's team. You're now focusing on yourself uh, in a way that offensive linemen, I guess, rarely do. Uh, tell me about where you are, what you're working on, and, and what goals you're trying to accomplish now as a sort of an independent athlete for the moment uh, in what's normally a team sport. Um, it's a it's a little it's a different type of uh, you know I'm just trying to acclimate to being back home and uh, I'm in my training. I've been training for the past. Geez. I started since I got back, so I've been almost about two months now. I've been in my training with uh, Giovanni Ruffin here in Virginia Beach at Take No Days Off Gym. Oh, yeah. So he's he's oh, my trainer. Okay. 
I'm with him. Yes, I've been following him and I left him on YouTube and whatever forever. But yes, continue. <laughs> yeah, he's my trainer, so he's. Uh, I'm with him six days a week, uh, just getting ready for my pro workout. Um, I was here for a little bit training with him, and then uh, about a, a month into being back, I left to go to, down to Fort Worth to uh, participate in the College Gridiron Showcase, uh, their sixth annual, and uh, practice down there, compete against some of the other uh, better players in the in the country, and get to, you know, perform in front of, like, 30, all 31 NFL teams down there, and I got to interview with quite a bit of them, so... I've just been, you know, preparing as best as I can, you know, meal prepping, hot yoga, uh, you know, really uh, just kind of keeping my body together, you know, at the same time while I'm, uh, while I'm training. Because the most important part is your, your recovery. So I'm just getting ready for March 26th uh, for my pro workout back in uh, Kentucky and uh, just hoping that I can uh, bang out some really good numbers and hope I get some calls, you know, after April. Right. Well, first of all, I would pay good money to see big men doing hot yoga. That's got to be like a $10 <laughs> DVD, right? At least, and a swap meter. Uh, it's, not, not, it's not easy at all. Uh, not at all. I just did a win. Why, no? <laughs> well, no, the vinyasa, the vinyasa really, the vinyasa is really hard. Yep, my trainer has sent me <sighs> Right, so he had put us in the vans and one. The lady had two legs across the leg. I said, "God dang!" <laughs> you leave soaking wet, drenched in sweat. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's something yeah. else. It's a real deal, man. Oh yeah, no, I, I mean, God bless. You know, I, 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 y'all enjoy. I. I've had, you know, I'm done. But man, yeah, I hear about it. I, I know people are gonna say, "Oh, it's not for everybody." Well, it's mainly for flexibility uh, and mobility purposes. Just yeah. keep your hips open and stuff like that. So, I mean, which is really important for an offensive lineman. We have to have great hips and, you know, be loose. And it's really good for that. Yep. Hip flexion and ankle flexion. That's the whole deal, man. Yeah. I mean, I oh, know God. it works, but I ain't doing it, dog. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I must say, you guys are a good group. Like, sometimes I get guys who are a little bit shy, standoffish. Not this bunch. You guys are willing to wait in. I love it. Um, let me spend a little bit of time with Lawson. One more question for Lawson and Eric, and then I will spend the time with the rest of you gentlemen. Um, as, I, as the first couple of guests, I'll give them back the rest of their lives. So uh, we just mentioned, or we just heard mentioned by Eric, the College Grand Showcase. One of the things, particularly for guys that aren't at a school that's on, you know, television all the time, one of the most important things exposure-wise can happen is all-star games. Tell me about what that was like for you in the postseason. How did you navigate? What opportunities you might have had in terms of all-star games, and and how what was the experience like? Uh, it was it's definitely different, um, just because you want to use every opportunity you can to be seen. Um, and just finishing up the season with the 
how well of a season that I was fortunate enough to have. Um, I got I got some calls, and then I've just been focusing on uh, uh, training as well for um, for a pro, for a pro day. But how it works in smaller divisions like this is we don't get our like our respective school pro day. It'll happen at a a um, one location, so like it'll be at Pittsburgh State University this year. Um, and that's usually where they have okay. it because they have an indoor and everything like that. But no, um, and yes. then I still graduate in May, so finishing up with school, and then I'm back here, uh, back at home in KC, Friday through Monday, working out, uh, training with top speed strength and conditioning with uh, Coach Joseph Potts, and then doing position work with uh, Coach uh, uh, Cassius Sendis. Um, Oh, and doing doing yoga, doing yoga as well, but no, not hot yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I must say, Eric, because I've seen you play, the mental image, I'm I'm not going to lie, like I'm still struggling with it. So if you could send me some pictures of you doing hot yoga, I'd really appreciate that. Um, (laughs) I'll see what I got. (laughs) Okay, that's it. I may use that as your profile photo on my phone or something. So um, I'm going to give you and, and Eric my sort of world-famous, uh, Eric and Lawson, my world-famous uh, last few questions. I truly believe there's a place for both of you in professional football, but it's hard. I, we just talked about earlier about Raheem Mostert, right? Here's a guy who went to Purdue, not exactly a, you know unheard-of institution, though they were not having great years a guy who was a track champion in the Big Ten, and he was an undrafted free agent, had to fight tooth and nail just to stay in the league, and then becomes, I mean, it's like, a, it's like really like a movie script, becomes the, the starting running back of the Super Bowl team after getting cut one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Um, so, Eric, I don't know, you know, how resilient you are. Hopefully you'll never have to go through being cut seven times, but I'll be honest with you. Um, you're not a guy who's going to get – Drafted, most likely. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think you deserve it, but it's just not likely. Um, the NFL has ways of sort of letting you know in sort of subtle ways about what they think about you, including the combine, and other things, right? I mean, you get little senses of where they see you, and they see you right now as a guy who's going to invite you to an NFL camp who will need to, frankly, put some kid in the dirt or something. You know, I mean, I hate to put it that way, but you got to find a victim, you know, when you get to camp. And yeah. make a, you know, make an impression that, right? And unfortunately, probably cost that guy a chance to make the team. But there's only 53 spots, 1,560, yeah. 32 times 53, right? And yeah. they aren't going to empty the league out, unfortunately. Like, it's not, I mean, a couple of guys retired, right? You know, Vernon Davis, a um, few other guys. That's a handful of guys, right? Retired each year. Now, some guys are going to be, quote-unquote, retired, though they don't know it yet. Um, Eric Weddle, right, after having a great career. But those guys are retiring on their own terms. Unfortunately, there will be some guys who will be pushed out of the league, no other way to put it, by guys like you, young guys. Come in, you're cheaper, you're faster, you're less injured, right? Yeah. So you've got to get to the camp, and you've got to show them, well, here's what helps you, Eric. You've played every position. You've never played center in a game, but you know all the snap. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, but you play every other position in the line, and you know how to snap, which means if you had to play center, you could do so. Yes, that's going to make you quite attractive. <laughs> that's going to make yeah. you quite attractive because if you're going to be that 
Some teams carry seven, some teams carry eight. But if you're going to be that seventh or eighth offensive, eighth offensive line, that means you are you, – you, you replace whoever. You fill in for everybody. If, if it's the Chiefs, if Eric Fisher goes down, you replace him, right? If it's, if it's a doctor, the one uh, Duvernay-Tardif goes down, you replace him. Like, whoever it is, you go in and get, get, go in for that guy. If it's, if it's Mitchell – not Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah, Mitchell Schwartz. If it's Mitchell Schwartz who goes down, yeah, you go out and replace him. Whatever. Whoever it is, if it's the Chiefs, then that would be kind of cool if it worked. But uh, – you, yeah, you, whoever that is, you've got to replace it. So if it's center, you replace the center, but the guard, but, so that's cool that you know how to do that. But even then, you're going to have to, you know, hey, can you play special teams? Can you long snap? You know what I mean? There's got to be something. So figure out what that something is and then fight, 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 because it's, I mean, exactly. it's different. It's different from college. It's different from high school. It's just another. And somebody, do you, you have friends that play in the league, correct, or people you know? Uh, yeah. Teammates, old friends, uh, yeah, a bunch. Okay. Well, they've told you that NFL coaches don't have time for it. Whatever it is, they don't have time for it. Yeah. Uh, they don't have time for you to not be there when they call you to get a rep because that rep goes to somebody else, right? Instead of, instead of calling your yeah. name again, they just go to the next guy. It's <laughs> really a business. Yeah. in camp. Yeah, it's a business. <laughs> it is. If you don't want to rep somebody, there. So I'll tell you this. And this is the last piece of advice I'll give you because you're far, much farther along as an athlete that I ever, ever got. But I, from guys I've been around, if you can steal a rep, somebody's late, somebody has, doesn't have the helmet, or they, their head's turned the wrong way when the coach calls them, you run. If they're not running, you run, right? And maybe you can get oh, yeah. rep. And maybe, yeah, they you, maybe they send you back out, or maybe they leave you in. <laughs> But you won't know until you, until you try to steal that rep. And then I'm always looking for a while steal the rep. Yeah. Who you are. For sure. Right? Yeah, I'm always looking to take a rep. I mean, any, any, anything. And I tell people all the time, like, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm that, I'm that more undrafted signing-looking guy. But, I mean, all I, need is, all I need is a mini camp to really prove what I can do. I mean, once I get my foot in the door, I mean, I'm, I'm there to stay. There you go. That's the attitude you have to have, and you pick out pick out that dude that you're going to make your victim that day when practice begins. Like, okay, it's going to be that guy. Sorry, I'm sending you home today. I, I, I wish it didn't have to be that way, but dude, it's cutthroat. It's different. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. imagine if the school only had four scholarships. They brought in 25 dudes, and they said, "Y'all fight for these four scholarships." I mean, it's like that, but worse. <laughs> because a scholarship is five years max. An NFL career, you know, what, Tom Brady's been playing since, what, 1999? I mean, that's the, you know, that's the exception. <laughs> that doesn't usually happen. But, uh, but, I mean, he changed his life and his entire family's life for generations. That's what guys are fighting for. And they will literally fight you for it, as I'm sure some of your friends have told you. You know, training camp get you a little feisty. Um, but yes, Eric, it's been a pleasure. Tell us who don't already know. And once again, now that the hot yoga, you know, aficionados and fans want to find find and follow you as well. So you've got a new audience, right? Football people and hot yoga people. So if you want to learn more about you, want to find you, follow you, see where you're going, um, how would they keep up with you? Do you have an agent? Who's your agent? And do you have social media? And how would they follow you there? 
the best way to probably keep up with me is uh, social media. I mean, you just, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty much my name for every single thing. I mean, you could just find me under Magwood. I mean, if I'm not training, I'm probably out in a duck blind shooting, shooting snow geese or Canadian geese or uh, fishing or something like that. Okay. Okay. Before you move on, tell me about your fishing rig and what do you shoot when you're, when you're birding? Uh, so, I mean, I, I like to shoot a 12 gauge. I mean, for, so right now what's in season the past, so is it, is it, are you a pump guy? Is it an automatic guy? Are you a side by side guy? What? I mean, I can I can shoot any of it, but I mean, I shoot a my gun. I shoot a pump. Okay. Like wind, wind choke, wind feet, wind, Winchester. What? What's your? What's your? What oh are you yeah, doing? yeah, yeah, Winchester, Winchester, yeah. And uh, okay, what model? Eight seventy. What? What's your model? Ah, uh, I think it's a. It's a I got an old one. Hold on. Old ones are the best ones. Well, we I, I, I'll let you off the hook. Hey, we've got about five different guns in the house, and my dad usually comes home with a new one every time, and whatever he hands me, I'm just out there shooting it. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right. So, yeah, no. I mean, I'm from a, I'm from a, I'm from a military background. <laughs> So we yeah, love, we love, because you're from we love, you're all from military backgrounds, pretty much. Oh yeah, my dad, my dad's a master chief in the Navy. He's in his 26th year. My mom's a retired chief. She did 22 years. Oh, okay. Well, let both of your family members know, but your mom and your dad know that. Thank them for my behalf very much for their service. Um, I'm an old army guy, but I, I definitely have nothing but respect for the Navy, having grown up at Virginia Beach. Okay, um, excellent. I'm going to ask the same – oh, and Eric, um, look for an email in, maybe later today, maybe tomorrow, latest Monday. Have some of the same questions uh, but, or similar questions, but I'll be using it to create a profile of you that will pop up in a few, maybe a week or so, and maybe a little more on nuts and bolts sports. Please include a photograph of yourself. If it's the hot yoga photograph, that would be great. But even if it's not, if it's a football <laughs> photograph, heck, I'm sure it's Tom. Um, we can use that as part of the profile that we're doing of you. And once again, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to jump now to Lawson Hoover. So, Lawson, I'm going to take you forward into the future. Right? I'm going to take you to the ending of your NFL camp, right? They tell you to, you know, bring your playbook, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, crap, I'm getting cut, right? Um, guys, you know, they say, hey, you know, we love you. We love you such and such, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, we're going to keep your information. We may be calling you back. We've got some things we're working on. We might be able to find space for you, blah, blah, blah. You know, all stuff. Maybe on a practice squad. Okay, they do. They find spot for you on the practice squad. Now, that's kind of a weird way to live. You have friends who've been on practice squad because you're – now the whole league can kind of go at you, if they, but they rule this. If they bring you on, they have to put you on the active roster. Um, but anyone can have you, basically, right? So when guys get hurt, you, I mean, not that you're rooting for when you get hurt, but every time someone gets hurt on another team, there's always the chance, if it's your position, that they can bring you in, right? So you spend, you know, a year, basically, always wondering. I think that after maybe a year on someone's practice squad, you'll probably get signed by someone else and then, you know, sign, cut, sign, cut. But I think that maybe about two or three teams in, someone's going to fall in love. Wow. I can't believe no one else 
Really? Yeah, yeah, we got a spot for you. I'll tell you who you kind of remind me of a little bit is Malcolm Jenkins. Um, not quite Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, you have that time to blow your head up, but I mean, you have some similarities. You can cover, you can hit, you're really smart. Like, I love your football IQ. And you're about, you weigh about, what, 207? What do you weigh now? Uh, 205 when I weighed in yesterday. Okay, okay. Okay, so you're like a handful of pounds. Of what, because I think Malcolm is about 212 now. Because he plays, we've seen, he plays like linebacker. He plays, he plays all the safety positions. He covers the slot. Every once in a while, he'll play a little boundary corner because that's what he grew up doing. Uh, but, yeah, I think you have that kind of Swiss Army knife in the secondary capability that somebody, it might take a few teams, but I think you're going to find, they're going to find you, you're going to find it, and boom. They'll be like, what? what? How did they? Because it just takes the right opportunity, as we just pointed out. Like, some teams, you're, they're not the right opportunity. But mm-hmm. when you find it, you're going to blossom. I think you're going to find your way from being uh, like a special team reserve guy to soon you'll find your way into the starting lineup. It might take a few years. It might be three, four years into your career, but I think eventually that's going to happen. And when you come back to Emporia State to talk to guys, right, about that incredible crucible, if you had a chance to sit down in front of a bunch of guys who are 17, 18, 19 years old, trying to get to where you're going, what would you want them to know? How would you help them? Um, just more than anything, enjoy enjoy the moment that you're in right now the rest will come with it you know like you're getting ready to start your college career like uh, i think a lot of guys get hung up on the fact that or they get hung up on uh what ifs and i think it's important to mm. like uh, uh somebody in here said uh, control control what you can control and focus on the moment yeah, right. that you're in right. um yeah, just focus on the moment that you're in and enjoy that because these those next four years of your life, those are that's where you're gonna make uh, like you're joining a brotherhood. That's where you're gonna make a lot of your friends for the next four years. That's where you're gonna make family for the for the next four years and those bonds you carry with you forever. So focus on that and just keep grinding and uh, hit the hit the weights strong and seize every opportunity <laughs> you that you that you can. <laughs> Uh, somebody asks you like, yep. if whatever whatever your coaches ask of you, uh, within reason, just do it. You know, like if they want you to possibly look at a different position, if they think that's the best fit for the team, then don't get a big head and be like, no, 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 I'm gonna stay over here. Then really look into it and be like, yeah, I think I I think I'll excel there, and just trust that you're gonna excel wherever you're at, and uh, be a special teams guy. Like I, I was a starter. Yeah. I still played. I still played every single special team. Like, do be a special teams guy. That's the biggest thing. And I love you said that. I'm just gonna say, a special teams rep a day keeps the cut man away. If you want the, yeah. the when they when unfortunately the day comes where they have to get rid of dudes. If you're on every special teams unit, your best friend. When you're okay, let's once again let's do the math. Okay, 11 guys on the side, place kicker, punter. Okay, so that by itself gets you to 24. And you need backups, okay? So you slap it. You slap it. That gets you to about 46 right there, right? The two deep mm-hmm. and a punter and a kicker. That only leaves seven more spots. Those seven yep. remaining spots, those guys have to be 
killer special teams, man. Like oh, yeah, you got Matthew fun. Slater, Matthew Slater is Bill Belichick's second favorite Patriot. I'm not even joking when I say that. Matthew Slater is Bill Belichick's second favorite Patriot. One, because he knows how to play. Like, if they had to play him at wide receiver or defensive back, he'd do it because he studies. He's a brilliant mind. He's got a coach for them one day. But, but he's on all their special teams. And he's their best special team player on all their special teams. He's on PAT block. He's on field goal block. He's on punt protection. He's on um, uh, both kickoff and punt uh, coverage. He's on everything. If you can be mm-hmm. that guy, I mean, Matthew Slater's got a nice little career. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just as a special teams guy. Now, all of you are guys that think you can play another position, but if you can be a great special teamer, that'll buy you some time. You ain't lying. For oh, yeah. Fact, cause I don't mean to cut in, but when I was at South Florida, yeah. I was at South Florida my second year uh, um, after I registered for transfer in the that second year, um, not to brag about it, but I was at Memphis uh, playing against Memphis open game. I had broken broke somebody's neck, paralyzed somebody on special teams. And then I was going to my coach's office, and I was like, Coach, what, when the chance that linebacker would come? And it came. And then he, then he took me in the office where, like, it was a Patriots. It was like three, four teams just talking to me. like, man, you a hell of a special team guy. If you keep that up with playing linebacker, yep. too, with your style, you will have a long career, and that's what I did, and that's why I stayed in contact, and coaches stayed in contact with me because they knew I took it. Seriously, like this year at UT Martin, I was like every drill, a kickoff or a kickoff return, I'm like up there six, seven times. Guys, like what you doing? I'm like y'all understand? Just let me leave by showing y'all this was matter more than just playing linebacker or doing. And that's what I always mm-hmm. tell that. So, yeah, if you want to be the guy that survives when the cuts roll around, be on multiple special teams units. I cannot yep. stress this enough. I mean, if you're yep. drafting the first two, three rounds, you're probably all right. Maybe, right? Every once in a while, one of those guys who get drafted really get cut. Yep. But if you're if third round on, nothing's promised to you. And if you're an undrafted free agent, it's a fight every day. It's a fight every yeah, day. For sure. And for all sure. of you have the talent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what my brother would do. Like, yep. No um, I'm going to finish up. Let me finish up real quick with um, Mr. Hoover. So, when this happens for you, I want you to think about, like, this conversation we had. I think that yeah. it's going to be a fight. Like, I hope you have it in you to keep fighting because, yeah, there's going to be some downs and some ups and some slides and some this way. Sort of like your college career, only more so, right? Because it's, it's boiled down to an even smaller number because they keep – dudes who can play aren't not going to make it. Like most of the guys who get cut, almost everybody who gets cut is good enough to play. It's a numbers game, right? So, like, if you aren't good enough to play, don't bring, bring, don't bring guys who aren't good enough into camp. Especially on draft guys who aren't good enough. Some of you guys are going to be drafted, but a bunch of you won't. But I call it the eighth round. Now, here's the good event. The good thing about the eighth round, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. Now you are choosing the team instead of the team choosing you. Look at the roster. Now, some teams will throw a nice little, little bonus at you. And that's not a bad thing, but please look at the roster and study. Like, where do I fit in? What do they do? You know, what, what do they do on offense? What do they do on defense? And how do they use people? 
and really look at the roster because find the best mm-hmm. opportunity, not just the biggest signing bonus. That's just the last thing I'll leave you with. Okay, so um, okay, this is an unofficial question. I'm not required to answer this. I'm going to ask it anyway. So, Mr. Hoover, Mr. Lawson Hoover, um, you're not a bad-looking young man. You're about to embark on a really ex- exciting journey in your next life. But there's young ladies out there. I do have some young ladies um, who are wondering about, about your status, if you're single and ready to mingle, if you're taken, if you're, you know, what's your situation in terms of your... Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely taken. Definitely taken. Okay. Got it. Established. Back off. Yeah, established. Back off. Okay. <laughs> So, who, who, if I may ask, is this special young, young person in your life? Uh, her name is Kara Mater. Uh, we've been dating for Shout two, out. two and a half years now. <laughs> Shout out. Um, there we go. Shout out to Kara. And she met her, uh, met her at Emporia State. She, was, uh, she graduated now, but she, uh, she was a track athlete. That's how you do it, because that sets you up for that next generation of super athletes. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> well done. Uh, I will put you up to nothing but the best. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., right? Right? Dad was a, yep. was, was a terrific athlete. Mom was a sports champion. That's how you do it. Um, so I'll be looking, you know, 20 years down the line to interview your progeny or whatever. But uh, it is always a pleasure. It is always, always great. Um, let people know how they can find and follow you, and then I'll be able to transition to Cecil and Eddie and Bryce. Um, uh, on and social media. Uh, what was that? Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Oh, um, tell people how they can find and follow you. Do you have social media? Do you have an agent? Who, how do people connect with you? Oh, yeah. Uh, on social media, it uh, should just be my name for everything. So Instagram and Twitter, uh, Lawson Holbert. Um, and then my agent is uh, Greg Linton, uh, who I'm working with. Yes. Yes. In a very, very, very messy, mixed-up business, you found one of the really good, solid people. Um, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about Greg Linton. So well done, young man, well done. Uh, once again, Thank it's you. an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. I wish you the very best. Look for a follow-up email in the next day or two. Uh, respond to it. I know you don't have any hot yoga pictures to offer, but whatever. You decide to send uh, with the answers to the, to the question. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let a Twitter pod dude tell me he's done hot yoga and not ever forget it. I mean, that's with me forever now. But, um, but yes, uh, when you get a chance, respond. And then usually within a few days once I receive your uh, finished questionnaire and your photograph, you can look on Nuts and Bolts Sports. Also, I'll tweet it. I'll, I'll DM it to you and then later tweet out when your article goes live. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. it oh, the pleasure was mine. It was, it was a real pleasure. You guys are a really good group, and I love how you guys sort of interacted with each other. Now I'm going to hop oh, back to, to group two. So Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff. Um, and Eddie, you're next. I'll break it over Bryce. And I'll be swinging it back around to you, Cecil. So um, you're from basically like one of the, I would say one of the hubs of football in America, right? The Senior Bowl is right over here. Um, for many years, uh, there's been great football played, bowl games, that kind of thing played in your part of the part of the world. Obviously, you come from a family where football mattered. Uh, who did you grow up watching when you sat down to watch football? Oh. Uh, 
I honestly, I honestly did not watch football growing up. I was more of a go outside and play type of kid. I was outside playing in the neighborhood all day and night, like ever since, like ever since I was a kid. Like as soon as I could start running, I just went outside and played all day. So I, I didn't really watch TV growing up. But uh, over the years, okay. I've gotten older. Uh, I, I've kind of, I kind of just been like paying attention to some of like the best pass rusher ends in the in the league, like Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Blythe Freeney, like Yannick mm-hmm. Ngakwe, like those kind of guys. I've been watching them a lot. So those are the guys that I uh, keep okay. on for the most part. Can I, can I give you another guy to watch that I think is has some similarities to you? Huh? Would that be okay? Yeah, Jay Porter, uh, who now is a a coach, but was a terrific player. Another underrated guy from Colorado State uh, had a great career, uh, mostly with Pittsburgh. A lot of similarities to you about your size. Um, a lot, I think, physically similar to you in a lot of ways. Um, a real technician in how he uses his hands, and he played with a lot of I don't say hate. That's probably, but um, he he he. he he got himself ripped up into a pretty good frenzy. There's some fairly famous um, pregame uh, YouTube stuff of Jerry Porter, like basically threatening to fight whole football teams at various points. He finished his career with the uh, Miami Dolphins, and there's a very famous incident that took place before a game where Jerry comes out, you know, like no shirt on, and, you know, essentially like challenges the entire other team to fight him. And he said, like, when none of them came out, he knew, he knew they had that game. Um, but, yeah, he was a bit of a crazy person, but a really good football player. Uh, okay, excellent. And I'm going to ask the same question of Cecil. Cecil, when, as you were developing as a player, who were your favorite guys to watch and why? Um, growing up, I used to love watching Ray. I mean, coming, um, really starting to like, notice like where Ari came from, his attack, and Knowing that, like he grew up around similar people that I know as like family-wise, and um, as I developed that relationship with him, and I just kept going, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna take over my time. Yeah, he went to was it St. Catharines? Is that where he went? No, I went to Frostproof. I I went. To, what happened was I went to Frostproof. No, I know you. I know you went to Frostproof. No, Ray. Was it for high school? Oh, he, he, went went to Catherine. Catherine. he went to Kathleen. But he, he went to Kathleen. Kathleen. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. Yeah, Kathleen. Thank you. Thank you. I was something like that was running around in my head. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Yeah, he was, well, I mean, I have to tell you, he was ridiculous. <laughs> he was just an utterly ridiculous football player. Yeah, he was wrestling and all that. Yes, indeed. Okay, um, and that I'll, I'll ask the same question of you. Eddie, who did you grow up uh, watching and why? Who did you felt like you maybe learned from or grew from watching? I feel like um, me growing up, uh, I, my first team that I started watching was the Carolina Panthers. And um, they had a guy, Julius Peppers, that I really started watching a lot and oh. trying to understand with his, like, with his hands and just strength. But a lot of... I mean the the body he had. I mean it just it did it. I mean he's six foot seven, I believe. So like you know that that I had to you know kind of take out of there. But the way he used the long arm, the way he was like powerful, 
to to like really powerful to a quick point. I really I really admire his size because he he wasn't really super big when he got into the league. He got into the league kind of like 270, 260, and then you saw him just grow, and you just saw everything just kind of develop and become better. And another person I want to say is um, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, like Mario Williams, like I look for those longer athletes to kind of see, okay. Yeah, you do. If I, like, like if I was put in that situation, like, how, like how am I supposed to handle? Like, okay, like say I come off the ball, right? I come off the ball really well, and a guy punches me. Well, like it's not all about having quick hands because when you got longer arms, it takes more inertia to get my long arms to swipe and things of that nature. So I just see them not get in those type of situations by using things like long arm or quickness or stuff like that. They just wouldn't put themselves in situations to be locked up with a guy. They'd want to, and when they do, it's on their initial contact. They make contact with pads first, and they create space, then get off and get to where they want to go. So I feel like that really helped me a lot. Yeah, I, and once again, another guy who's retired not, not very long ago, and Cecil, uh, Julius Peppers. So I, we first, I'm here in Chicago. We first got, now, you know, I grew up in Virginia, but he got traded right. <clears throat> um, no, free agent, sorry, signed as a free agent with the Bears. And I was in Bourbon A the first year he was up there. And I mean, I've seen great athletes, right? I talked about growing up, I got to see guys like Winston or Bruce Smith, but seeing right. Julius Peppers in person it's mind-boggling. I don't know. <laughs> like, you can't believe this person can be this size and move like that. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make sense. Right, just, bro, you can I mean, tell yourself. No, that, that's like LeBron playing defensive end. Like, it's just, it just it's, it's crazy. <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. I mean, he might be faster. Um, right. There were, there were times when he would be past guys as they're just getting out of their stances, and he's like, I mean, he's a big dude. I mean, he, he, the way he could uncoil, because he, he would get really small at times and get go like a little crack, and then boom, he winds back out and, you know, wipes out the sun. And the quarterback's like, ah, you know, I mean. Right. <laughs> he, 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 right. Is, he is one of the top ten that I've seen. I've been around a long time one of the top ten pure athletes I've ever seen. And the guy, you know, he maybe couldn't have played in the NBA, but could he have played in Europe if he wanted to? Yeah, he could have played a little bit of hoops in Europe if he wanted to. Just a ridiculous athlete. For real, and I feel like this, like his ferociousness off the ball, using hands and using speed is just like, it's uncanny. He's like, he's that prototypical crazy, like, you know what I'm saying, size defensive end before that was even a thing. You know, now you got DeForest, now you got Buckner, and you got all those guys in there in the, in the, uh, at D-tackle in there for the 49ers, and everybody's saying, oh, look, the new six foot seven. No, like that was Julius Peppers first. Like Julius Peppers was that guy. You know what I mean? He oh, was that free. Yeah. Well, no offense to Buckner or any others, but none of those guys moved like Peppers. <laughs> none of them. Nope. Nope. None of them. I mean, and people was going all up about the about that guy that came from Baylor. Oh yeah, you know he gonna be the next this double. I'm like, there's no other Julius Peppers, bro. <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe someday, but not 
not not today, <laughs> not for a, <laughs> not for a minute. That 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 parcels out those guys kind of you know every few. You gotta wait a while for another one of those. You don't get those every few years. That's right, right. <laughs> but yeah, man. When it comes to my, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I look at how many steps he takes, like how much yards it takes. Like his first step is three to four yards off the ball. And it's yep. crazy because yep. that, that's literally what I model. That's literally what I do. I have drills where I'm outside, and, and literally I'll practice for like 20 minutes of just doing hip stuff, and then for another 15, it's just getting off the ball, just my first step. That's it. Just because I want it to be that three and a half to four yards and not, and not, over, not over exaggerate it. You know what I'm saying? Like not, not feel uncomfortable to the point where if a tackle were to um, – were to see that they well, were to telegraph that I'm coming and they would just kick back and be able to be there with me, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to like hide it and kind of like you said with the coil, and it's like I, I'm that's that's like that's something I'm trying to perfect because I mean, the my my strength and get off is what put me from playing defensive end to playing D tackle, was because I could take off and I could split a double team with just power, but it's like. I want to be able to do that with speed and not even get touched. So that's why I'm trying to, like, perfect my game. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to, to Bryce. Bryce, tell me a little about your, your high school. Um, who were some of your high school's main rivals, and uh, how long did it take you to really establish yourself as a dominant high school athlete? Uh, some of my main rivals. Uh, early in my high school career, I feel like our main rival was Spanish Fort, and then well, we we always had a UMS rival, but Spanish Fort was more of our like competitive rival. Earlier on, we would just blow UMS out of the water. So it was Spanish Fort, and then Viger, and then uh, I would say Fairhope for the first two years. And my my junior senior year, the uh, classification split up. And it was just UMS and but uh, who else? Yeah, it's pretty much just UMS, and we beat everybody else pretty easily. But yeah, those are our biggest rivals. And how long did it take you to move up the depth chart and establish yourself once you were in high school? Uh, well, I feel like well, my coach. Like he didn't think I was gonna play going into high school because I was I was so undersized coming in as a freshman, and uh, I don't know I just kind of got my weight up. My sophomore year I started playing a little bit more. Uh, the guy that was in front of me that was playing the end my sophomore year like fractured his his um his shin or his uh yeah he he fractured like the bone in the front of his shin, so he's out for the rest of the season. And I played uh like I started like half the season my sophomore year. In my junior season, I pretty much started the whole time. I was playing a little bit of linebacker, a little bit of defensive end. And then my senior season, I played like half the season as a DN, and then I played the other half, like the back end of the season as middle linebacker. So it was just, just working hard and moving up the ranks. And one last question for you before I move back to Eddie. When did you first start to hear from schools, and which schools showed the greatest interest in you? 
early on in your recruiting process, Bryce? Early on, uh, I really didn't have anybody coming to to look at me early on. Uh, my my freshman, sophomore, and junior seasons, nobody nobody was was looking at me like 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 seriously. But uh, my uh, my head coach thought I was going to be all American my junior year, but I broke my right shoulder like the game before playoffs, and then all my recruiting stopped after that. And then I didn't I didn't. I didn't start getting offers until the spring of my senior year. So that's that's pretty amazing that it all happened to you that late. And so how did that happen? How did you finally get your offer? Uh, well, you know, I had a, a, a pretty quick recovery. I, I was only out for like two months after I got a surgery on my right shoulder, and I was already back bench pressing. Like, my bone healed extremely fast, and uh, the people that I worked with at physical therapy kind of pushed me to the next level, and uh, I uh, I really just took it from there. Got bigger, stronger, faster, just started going harder because I knew I had it to compensate for the time I lost. And uh, when I came back in spring, people just started dropping offers. And how did you navigate? How did you figure out of those offers or those schools where you wanted to continue as a student athlete? Well, uh, basically, I just had all some of the offers at first. I know there was a lot of a uh, lot of Power Five schools on the fence about me. Uh, like I know Alabama, Auburn. Auburn was probably where I was going to end up going if they would offer me. But uh, Coach Muschamp ended up leaving, and uh, I guess they had other needs at uh, South Carolina. So I didn't. I guess they they just stopped keeping in contact with me after he left, and then uh. So I, I was really just leaning towards South Alabama. I was committed to them for like seven months, and then uh, Coach Norvell got the job at Memphis, and he he offered me December of my uh, senior season, and I was I was still gonna go to South Alabama even though I got that offer, but um. I took my official visit to Memphis, and and saw the difference of how they prepared, saw the difference in guys they had versus what South Alabama had and, and, and how serious Coach Norville was about his vision and uh, w- what he had in store for his players and, and the culture, and I wanted to be a part of it. So it was a no-brainer after I took that official visit. Oh, yeah. He ain't lying about that because I went on a junior day there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, actually, you timed it perfectly. I was about to ask you the same question. Tell me about your recruitment process and how did you – figure out and was there someone that helped you to figure out how to choose? Talking about me? Um, talking about me, Coach? Yes, yes, because you, 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 yes, you came in at the perfect yeah, time. Um, so you, yeah, my, um, my, re, my recruiting process, man, it was, ooh, I should have stuck with what was planned, but everything, that's why I took this long route and we learned. And I had committed to Tennessee in my sophomore year. And then, let's say, you know, um, I had left out when I went on a official visit to Texas. And then I had, a, I had like, what it was, you know, Frost, we got a lot of people go through Tennessee in the first round. Like, once again, my uncle Alvin Hopper, Travis Henry, and I had a cousin, Tony Thompson, on my dad's side that played at Tennessee. So that was a pipeline for me, trying to go replace A.J. Johnson with him leaving. All that was perfect, but... I had 
switched my mind and went and signed with the Florida Five to go to Texas Longhorns. And then stuff didn't work out there. And then that thing, you know, I found out I was on ESPN. He transferred and woke up, went to South Florida. And next thing you know, I red-shirted, dominated, waited to the next year and played offense and defense at South Florida with Coach Taggart. And then, um, long story short, when Taggart left, once I balled and got on my feet, once Taggart left, I had um, I had went to junior college in Mississippi and East Mississippi thought, tried to get me, but I told them I was good because all the top ones were trying to get me, so I went to Cahoma Community College that everybody say nobody make it out of because of the town, but at the same time, <laughs> it's a grind <laughs> because there's the blues and there's a lot of killing and everything going in the city, but they got a lot of athletes coming out of Clarksdale, Mississippi. So once I went there and made my name and did what I had to do, made All-American Defensive Player of the Year, all that, I had went to um, Grambling State, and I thought I was going to take mortician classes. And they didn't have that to find that out. And I took some of the justice and graduated a uh, semester before I was supposed to graduate. And I had the opportunity for Tennessee Martin. So I thank God placed everything at a perfect time in my life of this recruiting process of learning. Because I did go to Norville on a visit when, when I was in junior college, being number one junior college out of the state of Mississippi. I had I went on junior day over there, and then my brother Demetrius Sheer played for Norvell, so I understand what he's talking about. It's similar, similar, similar talk when he talk about Norvell because I met him, then my brother played for him at Arizona State. So, but long story short, I got the opportunity um, at Martin, and I just I fed off that energy for everything I went through and having faith in God and trusting that my opportunity soon gonna present itself and not giving up. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm just wondering what it would have been like for you and Bryce to be teammates. Yee. <laughs> that would have been a tough day at the office for some other teams. Yeah. But he did play He did play with somebody that I played with, Christopher Claybrook. So that's like a ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, a connection right there. Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so... I'll stick with you for the moment, then I'll go back to Bryce after this question. Everybody I've ever talked to, and I've been doing this for years, always talks about what they call their welcome to college football moment. Something that happens that sort of snaps them into a complete and total understanding that this is very different. Like, this is not high school. This is not anything I've ever experienced before. This is a different place with different everything, different rules, different, different kind of athletes. Tell me about what your experience was that let you know that you had stepped into a different arena. I mean, I can say when I first got to Coach Taggart when we had the winter workout and it was called the chase, he was up. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was like everything else was good. Like, I'm not going to sit in a line and say, like, I had a hit or I just – I know I hit somebody at practice or they had to tell me to chill out, and I knew it wasn't, like, it's mental more than anything. It's learning learning where you got to be, where the next person got to be, learning where you'll help and how to help and get help. Like, that's the separating of football, learning the, the X and the old part. But Chase waking up 5 in the morning and you getting it by 10, 15 drills, and then that's how, you know, you got a team function, then you go in and wrestle, then you hit the track, and then that's how, you know, after you hit the track, you got to hit the weight room, then you hit the run. Keep straight. 
And you don't get done till like 12 p.m., but you up. You up till 5 in the morning. <laughs> so that's when I knew it. Like, I was like, oh, I got to wake up this college. So I'm getting ready because I had to take a seat because it was my year of playing after red shirt and practicing, working out the red shirt and doing all that because the NCAA rules for transferring. That's when I knew, like, the developed lift and everything is real serious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good example. I'm going to ask the same question to Bryce. What was your welcome to college football moment, Bryce? When did it hit you that this is something, this is a different beast from what I've dealt with in the past? Uh, I always had the mindset of, like, wherever I go, I'm, I'm going to elevate my game, like, higher than where I'm at. Like, I want to be a, a, a product of my environment. And so coming in, like, my freshman year, like, well, about like at the end of my senior year in high school, all the guys that I played football with, everybody was like, you know, you gotta go in there, you gotta, you gotta, uh, like stay in your place, like you can't go in there and just try to, like, act like you trying to take food off everybody's plate, like you, you gotta, you gotta listen to the older guys and, and follow their lead and stuff. And I was like, nah, bro, I'm going to take everything. Like, I'm gonna be the leader. I'm gonna go and do it. My, like, I'm gonna go out here and just dominate my freshman year. So I'm, I'm training all summer. Like, the, that's probably the, the, the welcome to college football moment, just the training part of it, just, just conditioning. But um, our coach had us run the super gases, and I would just sprint the super gases. Like, everybody was like, patience or patience. And I was like, nah, bro, I'm burning these off. So I would just go out there and and stuff like that, just training hard. And so we get to uh, we get to fall camp or whatever, and uh, like everybody, everybody in my class was just trying to, like, be cool with the other guys, like, go with the flow. And I don't think about somebody going here dominating first day. Next second day I'm going here dominate like every day was my mindset. So I like I just kinda elevated my game just to compensate for what how how bad I thought it was gonna be. But I uh yeah, I just went out there with the go get a mindset and I didn't really have a welcome to college football moment. I just I just went out there swinging for lack of a better term, but yeah. Well, I'm guessing it sounds like Bryce you handed somebody else a weapon. To college football moment when you show yeah, no, no doubt. as a wet body no here freshman and, and start just smacking people around, what sounds like you did. Yeah, we. I, me and him I remember. I remember. Uh, I remember we had the uh, the W drills. I came in. I came in the middle as a middle linebacker, so we had W drills or whatever. It's kind of like Oklahoma, but it's kind of modified. So uh, there's a, another freshman lined up, lined up across from me. Uh, he's our running back. And I just came off the came off the uh like off the edge of the garden just just lay him out like face mask and chest just put him on his back. So I probably that was probably his welcome to welcome to touch football moment. <laughs> so so that's what I like about you. You're like Chuck Norris, right? So you don't have a cause of football welcome to touch football moment. You give a welcome to college football moment. Okay, Bryce, off I see. You. Um, is that Eddie back? Because I had a question for Eddie if he's back. Is that you? Yeah, yes, yes, sir. Yeah, I just joined my yeah. phone. Yeah, I was so mad, man. I'm up here talking to him. Yo, my phone is through. I was like, no! <laughs> well, I'm glad you're back, Eddie, because it's perfect. I have questions for you. So, we were talking about earlier about like Julius Peppers and Von Miller and oh, who else are we talking about? Um, Denise Peppers, Von Miller. Uh, I brought up Joey Porter because I feel a little bit of – in fact, you were 55, come to think of it, in college. 
Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, somebody brought up somebody else. Uh, who was the other? Oh, uh, somebody brought up Yannick Ngakwe. Um, okay. People talk about some of their favorite, you know, guys to watch. Um, when you were coming up, who did you look to or who did you like to watch when you were watching guys? Um, well, when I, when I was watching guys, um, well, I mean, the, like I said, I was, I was a Panthers, I was a Panthers fan. So I was mainly, um, Julius Peppers, but, um, but I, Peppers, right. Yeah. But that, but that was like before I really, uh, understood, you know, football, I was just watching it for the love of it, you know, just being a fan. But, um, cause I didn't really, it didn't really start registering me that I can actually play this sport until I was about, I want to say, like, 18, 19. So, okay. So how did it come to you at that point that you could actually do this? What changed? Um, I just got bigger. Um, I just got bigger. I um, Entering high school, I was, like, 6'3", like, 180, 185. And then my my senior year, I was like six foot four, uh, two hundred pounds, and I was like, and and the craziest thing is that I was running track, and um, so you know I I never I um well my my freshman year my parents uh my parents split up they got a divorce, and um so I kind of just I wasn't really too focused on playing a sport I was just more thinking about, dang, like, I got to be strong for my brothers. I got to be strong for my mom. I got to be strong for my dad, you know, because going back and forth during a, divorce, during a divorce, you know, both sides are really, you know, distraught. So my dad would come and talk to me and my mom would talk to me and my brothers would cry. So I would I would kind of put my feelings to the side and everything I was trying to do for them. So my aspirations and goals weren't really – I didn't really have any. I was just trying to make sure everything was good at home. But – but, but yeah, like I said, my senior year, I was running track. Um, my high school football coach came up to me and was like, "Yo, why have you not played football?" I was like, "Well, I just wasn't really into it." He was like, "You know what? I got a Ham- I got a Hampton University camp that we're about to go to in two weeks. Do you want to train for two weeks and uh and see how you do?" I said, "Heck yeah!" So I was actually going there to play wide receiver because, like I said, I was six foot four, two hundred pounds, huh. so that- and I had a lot right. of speed, and they right. wanted me to play receiver. Um, but I ended up going there and playing uh, defensive end, and defensive end, uh, the, the D-line, O-line stuff overlapped with seven-on-seven. Seven. So I'm over there playing, and um, there's, like a, uh, there's like a whole article on the whole camp, and I'm top, I'm top five in every event, in uh, um, uh, broad jump, high, uh, vertical, uh, bench, uh, sprint, uh, the 40-yard dash, L drill, and it's like – and it's like I, I almost won the whole camp. I had I had one last rep with the guy who won the camp, and he was a great offensive lineman. Um, Got to give him props. I don't remember his name, but a great offensive lineman. And I'm playing against him. And I, and mind you, I know no no pass rush moves. I know no bull rush moves. The only thing I did was I literally sprinted up the field, and when he tried to put his hands on me, I swatted them down, and and I was bending, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just trying to get to the point. And they had, like, a little dummy back there, and I was trying to hit the dummy. So, and everyone in the camp was, like, ooh and on because this was the first time we'd ever had O-line, D-line, and I'm about to win it. And I had to beat out um, – so it was the best out of three. 
and I beat three other defensive uh, offensive linemen, and this was the fourth and last one. And I came up short, but I earned the respect of everybody at the camp who knew that I didn't even play football. And um, so much so <laughs> that, the, that, that the Hampton University coach wanted to give me a scholarship. Um, and I told him about my grades. Do you remember the name of the coach? Who, do you remember the name of the coach who came up to you? Delbrick, Delbrick Cowsett. I know exactly who that is. I know Deborah Katz. Okay. I, 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 yeah. I grew up in the Tidewater area. I know exactly who that was. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. That's dope. Uh, but, yeah, man, like, so he, he, he wanted me. He said, look, dude, I want you on a full-ride scholarship, but I need you to get your grades up. So I'm going to send you up to New Jersey, man, and, and I want you to come back down. So I went up. I played at, at this JUCO called Gattaca. It was really, really shady, man. Um, he didn't know. <laughs> but uh, Gattaca is extremely shady. Um, but, but yeah, but Delbert Cassett and uh, all the coaches actually ended up getting fired. So he, he actually coached yes. up. He, actually, he went up and coached at Albany uh, in New York, and he asked me to move again. And I told him, I said, Coach, trust me, like, you, you my brother. I love you. I, you know, and I appreciate the opportunity, but I just moved to New Jersey, and I don't know if I can pick up everything and move to New York. He was like, I, I truly understand you, man. You're coming from Virginia, and you're moving up here. I get it. You know, you're just trying to get it how you live. Um, but, but yeah, man, I ended up getting a, um, I ended up getting a, um, a, uh, I didn't get a, I didn't get any type of scholarship, but I ended up going to a Shepherd University because they wanted me to go there. Um, Everything felt a deep powerhouse. Yeah, very familiar with Shepherds. Yeah, and it's like I, I made it through camp. I beat out. Um, I even I even made second in the depth chart as a freshman. So I made the starting team. I made the varsity team as a freshman. Um, but um, my my financial aid uh did not come through. Um, my recruiter, uh, Coach Logan Williams, who I'm still close with, um, he he didn't know to tell me that to make sure all my uh, articles of mail were to come from Virginia instead of New Jersey. So all my stuff came from New Jersey, so it gave me out-of-state tuition, which was way too much, and I couldn't stay and play yep. at Shepard in West Virginia. So right. um, I'm feeling a little bad about myself. I'm down and out. My girlfriend's, you know, telling me, hey, you know, don't stop. Hey, you know, there's a school called Roan University. It's like 15 minutes away. Just apply there. So I applied. Walked on and been a go ever since. My first two years, I played a lot of special teams and I hit a lot of folks really hard. Um, and then they wanted me to go play defensive end and be a, just a defensive end because my freshman and sophomore year, I was playing behind this guy, uh, Kevin Stokes. Great defensive end. Um, great. Um, and, you know, uh, he, he really owned that spot and I, and I did nothing but respect him. Um, so my junior. Uh, well, my sophomore year, I played some defensive in my junior year. I, I officially played and started. Um, my senior year, I was actually a Swiss Army knife because I was so good at defensive end, but we were so we were so little at D tackle. So I ended up Swiss Army knifing and playing defensive end and D tackle. And um, yeah, so that was that that was my you know my college career. But, um, and you weighing, but you were weighing that, but you were weighing like two forty something, right? What were you weighing by that point? Um, at that point, um, when I first came, I was weighing 245. My freshman, sophomore year. Right. My junior year, I got to 255. And then my senior year, I got to 265. 
And right now, I'm back down. Okay. And, and right, because you're trying to you're trying to put up a good time. Right. Right. Okay. And and I'm gonna jump back to right because once again, I mean. I'm not going to go back into the whole rant about the combine, but I think you're going to have one heck of a pro day. Um, I mean, everyone's raving about guys like Isaiah Simmons, and of course we had a, a young man on who had actually played against Isaiah Simmons, competed against him in track and football. Um, and you know, you may not put up Isaiah Simmons numbers as a runner, but as a you know, in your jumps and and you know, your your forty. But I think Bryce off you're going to have a really good day when they finally put the clock and the tapes and everything else all together. Um, I'm going to go back to, to Memphis for you. Now, what were because you, you said originally you were sort of undersized as well. Well, clearly you got over that. By the time you got to Memphis, what was your height and weight by the time you, you showed up on campus? Um, I think I was like 6'1", and I think it was like 6'1", and 5'8", like 245 when I first showed up to Memphis. Oh, okay. Okay, got it. And in terms of film study, how much of that have you done in high school? Or is that something that really kicked in for you in college? Oh, high school? I used to watch film nonstop. Like, the, the, night, the night of, like, say we played, say we played uh, Viger on Friday night and we had Fantasy Four coming up the next week, I would be watching Fantasy Four film. Friday, like Friday night after I got done watching the Viger film, I'll be watching Spanish sports film. Like it, it was, like it was. I love watching film. Just being a, like being able to learn from. Okay. I was always watching guys like guys that were like linebackers that were like the top of my class, and guys that were that were getting coached differently mm-hmm. from me. Like I would go and see what they were doing differently, and I would I would pull things that I liked about that game and add it to mine. Like if you uh. if you go back and watch like towards the end of my senior year or like halfway through, I started. Like getting a lot more TSL, so I thought like I was just step off the edge and just yeah. trying to run, trying down a lot of things, and I was just start doing that. So I don't know. I, I've always just had a knack for watching film. Okay, I'm I'm gonna bring Cecil back in. You're you're back, right, Cecil? Yes, sir. I'm back. Sweet. Hello. Okay, so perfectly timed because I had a question for you. So um, I think we were talking a little about sort of the physical transformation. Now, a couple of the guys were, I mean, we just had, you know, it's an amazing story from Eddie about, you know, being a 200-pound track athlete who now is a 265-pound football player in a matter of, I guess, five years and change, six years maybe? Yeah, um, yeah five years. <laughs> yeah, so five years, okay. So when you showed up on campus, what was your height and weight when you first got to college? I saw when I saw that the Texas long I had I had weighing like two two forty two forty probably I was like mm-hmm. okay Hello? and and about where are you walking around now about what height and weight are you now six one two thirty five okay okay got it so not as dramatic as some of the other guys who've undergone, like, super soldier serum transformation. But you've, you've changed your body just not quite as wildly as some of the other young men we've talked to recently. Uh, so talk to me about your journey up the depth chart. When you first got to school, where were you on the depth chart, and how long did it take you to, to climb it? When, when I got to um, Texas, I was, I was, like, literally second. I was getting reps. I was um, 
You're finna get ready for Notre Dame. No lie, I was getting ready for the one. And uh, oh, then travel with my dad and um, Charlie Strong over the phone, and then that's how you know I was up on ESPN. Once I woke up, I'm transferring. So, I mean, after that, I went to South Florida and I just grinded out. And then that's how you know I was at the spring when it was time to eat. I was number two on the depth chart and playing running back too. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Now, how did that come about? Because, I mean, we've seen a few guys. You know, Miles Jack did a little bit of defense, a little bit of offense. A few DBs would take some reps at wide I mean, receiver. You'll occasionally see that. Um, and sometimes in short yardage goal line, you'll see some big dude who can move a little bit, maybe get some reps at fullback. But how did you end up playing both ways a little bit in college? Um, Coach Taggart, like, he recruited me out of Tampa and Western Kentucky, too, when he first saw me coming out of high school. He recruited me for both. So he already knew that, like, coming from Frost Roof, man, we we had to play both sides and special teams. So, I mean, it was like I'm used to it, and he found out a way to get me on the field faster. And then when he got me on the field faster, it was all developing everything, playing, and I took special team hard. Um, running that little fullback action, the little, and he had a pass when he catching them, catching the ball out of the backfield. One play, if you go back when Quentin Flowers everybody top ten, he was actually looking for me to throw me the ball, but the corner was sitting right there, so he reversed from the field against the NIU. So, <laughs> and it, it was like in my drive, and he was like, "I got something for you." And then he, what made it special though, because when he did it, it's an article out. He like it's a new founder job for you know Marquez Stanton that played for the Green Bay Packers when we first transferred in together to South Florida. Pieces that Tiger wanted to use, so we we had the Williams for a year for us. So it was it was a, a unique thing, yeah. and I was just on it because I love I love ball, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna come over here, and that's what Coach Tiger loved about me because he had a dude doing it from. Polk County area where I'm from at Kentucky. I don't know if you know the linebacker. Right. Years ago, he had Eddie Lace. Lace. Um, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Willie Taggart was a player at Manatee, so that's how old I am. I remember Willie Taggart as a player, a terrific player at Manatee. Uh, so, yes, I'm very – that's, a, once again, a super talent-rich environment where, where you – I mean – I bet there's, what, probably, what, 15 guys in the league from, like, your town and the two or three towns over? Yeah, sir. It's like, it's, it's multiple. It's, um, that's accurate in the league right now. You got, you got, um, Rondy, Rondy, um, Hunter Gunner. You got Dern James, the Robert Coleman for the Rams, who they just made the rule from what I'm <laughs> Right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of talented people guys that's in there too. That's balling. That's from my area, and I done played with in little league. Right. We all cross each other. Literally, we have all stars games, so it ain't like we just start playing football. It's like now we take it so serious that we play on the foot on the basketball court. You run to the sideline, you get hit. It could be a tree right there. It could be right. yeah. It don't matter. <laughs> right, right. And Aaron Murray and Nelson Aguilar from not far from you too, right? 
Yep, Nelson and Tampa. We played my school played him when I transferred back from my freshman year. Was going until my um well, yeah, I had transferred back the end of my freshman year once I went to South Carolina made defensive player of the year at a six A as a freshman. Then he came back home, that's when they played Nelson Aguilar that that first round. He had like two hundred I ain't gonna lie six touchdowns. <laughs> then my brother picked me last year, my senior year. His senior year, so I came back from sophomore year and won yeah. that year too. So I won the first yeah. three, all the twelfth grade. Got it. Uh, I'm gonna swing it back to to Eddie. So you had one of the more eventful right journeys to basically find your school. Tell me a, a little yeah. bit about what makes Rowan stand out. Like, what about the staff? What about the guys? Why this place? Because you have the talent, as you pointed out, there are D1 schools that showed interest in you. You have the talent to play at the highest level. You could play in, you know, I, I say power six conferences because I, I put the, uh, the AAC <laughs> too, but um, you can play at any level. What about Rowan made it the place where you wanted to play? And, you know, if you were talking to some other young person, what would you tell them about the experience? Man. Um, uh, the big, the biggest, honestly, the biggest reason why I played there was, was, um, cause I got, uh, offers from, um, what, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Tennessee, um, A&M, um, uh, but, but my, I mean, cause I, I got offers, but the thing was, is that the reason why I started to, the reason why I played at Roar was one. I didn't have to get up and move all my stuff again and figure that whole thing out again, that whole process. And two, because it was, it was, I mean, it couldn't have been more close to, to where I was living at. You know what I mean? It's 15 minutes away. It was just, it was just a perfect fit. Um, and I feel like, you know, um, I was talking, I was talking to my mentor and, you know, when I was talking to my mentor about it, he was telling me, Hey, you know, I, I, I understand that you want to go to Shepherd. But I mean, I understand that you want to that you want to go to Rowan, but I just want to let you know that that is not your, you know, that's that's not where you, that's not where you can grow the best at. And I was telling him, I was like, you know what, I I understand you, but right now, money wise, the only thing I can look for is something around here. You know, I can't go through another shepherd where I get there and then you know the financial aid stuff falls through, and then I make it to another camp and then I'm like, I'm not playing football again. So, you know, I was talking to him about that. But, you know, the biggest thing about Shepard that, that really stood out to me was that they were an up-and-coming team that had a lot of success in the past. So they were on a downward slope when I first got there. And I wanted to be a part of what made the team better. I wanted to be a part of that upward spiral. Um, you know, we, we didn't end up – we didn't get that. We didn't get that product out of it, but – I still got a lot of stuff out of it. Like a lot of the coaches and everything that I talk to now, like uh, Coach Charles Feist, um, Coach Cedric Dawkins. Uh, Charles Feist was my defensive line coach. Um, he he really, like not playing high school football, I feel like in college that family kind of like, it kind of it goes away a bit. And he was more like a, like a big brother or like an uncle to me. I could talk to him about anything. And it was just kind of crazy that, like, you know, I don't know. I, I just 
I just really gelled with him and I gelled with my strength and conditioning coach, Coach Dawkins, so much because it's just like I never got that high school, like, feel. I never got that, like, family that, like, you know, hey, man, how's your day? How you how you doing at school? How you doing with this? How's your mom doing? How's your dad? How's your brothers? I never got that. So to get that, I, I felt like, man, this, this is the real, like, this is the real deal. Like, this is family. This is more than football. And I, I couldn't be more happy. And and not and not to knock Shepard because I went and I um even though I didn't get accepted I still have the defensive coordinator, um, and uh, the wide receiver coach and the defensive end coach that now coaches at Fairmont uh, State still follow me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat. I mean the 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 love is still there. So I always, I mean, even when I post okay. on, um, even when I post on like social media, I'll always post my boys that are getting pro days from Shepherd because that's still my family. You know what I mean? That's that's still family. I'm still welcome. I can, I can still go down there and chill at somebody's house, and I can go and chill with the guys, and everybody remembers me. So I love that. But um, but Ron really stood out to me because it was it was down the street, it was affordable, and it was family. Got it. And. You just mentioned pro day. Is that where you're doing your pro day? Will that is that going to be at Shepherd or where where is your um, pro day actually going to take place? Actually, my pro day, my pro day actually. Let me look up on my because I actually got an invite. Uh, invite. Um, I want to tell you the wrong thing. It's okay. Take your time. Yeah. All right. So my pro day. Um, is going to be um, in the Kansas City Chiefs uh, training camp um, April 11th. Yep, April Oh, 11th. okay. Okay. I'm going to be um, at the Athlete Pro Day. Com, uh, Athlete Pro Day. Um, and, yeah, man, I mean, I can – yeah, it's supposed to be official home of the Kansas City Chiefs training camp. Everything's filmed. So, yeah, so that's my pro day. Okay. Okay. Well, please do give me an update about you know, when that happens, uh, how it goes, you know, what kind of feedback you get, all that. Because, I mean, your story, as I've said, is one of the most, I mean, it was a long time, and I haven't had to be quite like yours. The closest would be Lewis Perez. Um, and it's even crazier because he plays quarterback. And I've never run across a quarterback who hadn't played high school football before. <laughs> um, up, you know, being anything. And of course, now he's now he's in the XFL, but he's had a couple years in the NFL and one year at the uh, uh, the AAF. I'm going to swing it back to to um, to Mr. Cherry. So, Cecil, oh, I'm here. you played yeah. multiple positions. Tell us about how you've been used in your, um, you know, in the defenses in which you've played, uh, what do they ask you to do? What are your responsibilities? I mean, when I when I got to um, South Florida, like, uh, I just played inside linebacker, so it was like, but you had to run because we had Tennessee D coordinator come over and add some salt to um, add a little salt and pepper to our little style that we was running when we was running um, Tampa 2 and all that. So, I mean, it was it was a type of running linebacker that when that D coordinator coach Jan Jazik, that's Colorado State D coordinator now, he came over with Woody Raymond. Mm-hmm. Um, coach Woody was our D coordinator and then um that's thing, you know, like that Mike you had to be a runner. You couldn't be like, you know, certain defense you could be uh, a solid Mike but you can't run but they won't really see it until like that Mike gotta cover 
that three receiver or we used to have lock check where you if he say that that nickel tell me lock, I had to lock on that third receiver. Like if he go vertical, I gotta take him. He do ten and out vertical, I have to take him. So I mean you had to be there, mic that run and then come back in for the inside run but having a wheel in the box and the mic scooting out. So I mean that was a great position for me for playing multiple positions on top of playing number four on, on kickoff, being a ball getter and then being a um return uh, and then on kick return. So you were saying you were all four on kick return? Yeah. No, uh, I was the, I was four back on kick return. I was in the back. I was on I was a full back I was a full back and um next thing you know too when I got the Grambling another thing too I had to go to outside linebacker just because they had DR's Christmas. He was playing Mike, and that's and you know, um, coach was like, well, you could help. Yeah, me. he was all HBCU, all black cars. Yes, Like, we didn't even think about coverage. We probably ran coverage two times, but the rest of that, you either had Katain or you Blitz and B-Gap playing outside, waiting until my senior year to go back to Mike on top of the team. So I liked it that gunner spot on kickoff being the number two. It helped me get recognized, showing my speed, getting down there, making tackles in the ten yard line. Like it's like a lot of stuff with me, like you saying, playing a different position really helped me to see and see that oh the bigger pitches is running on special team at my position and having a brother that went through it on D tackle that got traded back and forth. Because he couldn't play special teams, and it, it, it just let me know how much that I could see with faith and keep going. So it's different. Right. It's a different, Excellent. It's a different scheme, different learning, and similar coverages, but at the same time, as well to learn multiple defense because you never know where you're going to end up in the league. Got it. So I'm going to come to Bryce. Obviously, a lot of people know you for pass rush ability, but that's not all you do. Tell people about how you're used in your defensive scheme and the things they've asked you to do. Uh, well, over the years, I've played different positions. Uh, I came in playing middle linebacker and just had basically, uh, I basically just played that for a ball camp my freshman year, and uh, that had a job in the curl flat, you know, fast three, flat, like covering fast flow, things like that, and then, uh, my at the end of the freshman year ball camp, I switched to uh, outside linebacker, uh, like a captain. Then we were like basically covering tight ends and uh, running backs out the backfield. Um, this past year, I played like traditional defensive end, and I covered so I covered the uh, tight end a few times, and uh, yeah, I covered. I, I peeled the, the uh, running back too, and covered him on wheel routes as well. So my uh. Uh, pass coverage, I think, uh, my pass coverage responsibilities really, like, going her down over the course of the years because of what the team needed, so I just did what my coaches uh, asked of me. So, yeah, but other than that, I, yeah. I mean, it's nice to the run and then after the quarterback uh, are my strong suits. So, well, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm good at, I'm okay. good at everything. I, I might do everything, but uh, that's just what my team needs me to do for sure. And, and I'll stay with you for a moment. Now, at the at the Shrine game, 
they did some things with you as well. Tell me about what the coaching staff told you when they got you at the at the shrine, East West Shrine and what things they were asking you to do there. Uh, well, basically, he told me, the coach at the, uh, at the Shrine game, he uh, basically told me he's watched me all throughout college and uh, he's going to turn me loose. And they put me in the best position to show what I could do. Uh, they put me on the edge and they, they told me to go get the quarterback. I mean, it was it was pretty simple. And I, I, I had the scheme down perfectly. Uh, I knew all my responsibilities, knew what guys around me were doing. And, uh, yeah, they just, by by the second day, I was guns blazing, just getting off the ball, making plays, TFL sacks, just dominating practice. Uh, you know, just doing what I do best. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully that trend continues with the coach, whatever coach I get in the NFL. They they use me to the best of my ability so that I can help the team win as many games as possible. So yeah, that's that's how I went. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're going to end up being probably a three-four outside linebacker, and I think you'll be a really good one. <laughs> uh, as I've said on many occasions, I, I I think you're one of the you know top hundred easily in the top hundred players in this class. But we'll you know whatever. That's <laughs> they don't ask me about these things. So I'm, uh, I'm going I'm, to I'm not, I'm not bring it bring it back around to Eddie. So what are you working on now? Obviously. You know, you've, you're in that situation where you've gone from being a, a part of a team where you're, you know, doing whatever the team needs. Now you're getting yourself ready for what any one of 32 teams could possibly need. Uh, what things are you working on the physical side of your game? What things are you working on the mental side of your game? Um, <clears throat> physically, the biggest thing I'm working on is on my get-off. I just want – I mean, it's, it's, it's not necessarily that my get-off is slow. So not necessarily get off. I'm working on timing, um, looking at when the ball is snapped and getting off as soon as I see any type of movement and being, and being confident in what I see. I feel like um, physically it's the get off and mentally it's, it's just confidence. That's the biggest thing is that, like, you know, at, at that D3 level, you know, I mean, it, I mean, from my trainers to other players and coaches are always telling me, hey, you know, you know, like you can make it to the league, you know, if you really put forth an effort and stuff like that. And, you know, you hear it so much that, I don't know, man, like it, it, it got to a point to me where I was like, man, like are people saying that to be nice or do they really, do they really believe that? Like is that, do they really believe it? And it really hit me um, when my, like when my, um, when my strength and conditioning coach said, Eddie, it's been a long time since we had a guy of your size and your speed and strength come here to this school. I want to see you go to the next level. Please don't don't mess up this opportunity. And when he pulled me aside and said that, I was like, wow, like, okay, like, y'all are y'all are actually for real, okay? Like, I, I it was I don't know mentally mentally I I've been completely humbled by my whole process, bro. I I so confidence is something that like. I need to work on because I've I've just been so so thankful all the time, and sometimes like 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 how you like how you were saying before, he said there's going to be a time where somebody misses a snap and they're doing whatever, and you need to jump in and be all over it. This this isn't the time to be to be you know thinking about the next guy and everything like that. Now you got to eat. 
you know, so all, all that, all that being humble and all that being thankful for the situation, that's great. But when the situation arises, it's time to put that down and it's time to turn the dog on. And I feel like that's, yeah. that's well, that's, there's going to be on average about four spots available on each NFL team, roughly. Only 32 teams, four times 32, right? That's, that's not a big number, actually. So there's, there's got to be, I don't, I'm not saying you have to be like a mean person, but Bryce said it, he, uh, he said, like everyone's telling me, you know, you got to sort of wait your turn, whatever. He's like, no, dog, or whatever he said. He said, what did he say? No, nah, bro, right? He said, come here to dominate. When you show up, once again, they drafted seven dudes. They only got four spots. They drafted seven, right? That's already three more than they need. And so when some of you guys are coming in, you're coming in as unbad free agents. You're going to need yeah. to make somebody look bad, right? You've got to put, yeah. I hate to put it, but you've got to put some tombstones in the ground. You've got to announce that this is where it ends for you. Because, for real. Because, you know, there's no room. There's no room. Ooh. Straight up. And yeah, I love that Bryce had that, had that kind of, I mean, you know, a little bit of that killer instinct, right? Bryce Huff has no problem saying to somebody, I'm sorry, this is no longer your spot on the team. It's now mine. I hope you enjoyed your career here. (laughs) It's Bryce Huff time. (laughs) And some people might call that cold, and some people might call that cocky, but but um, look around the league. (laughs) And I I feel like that's, that's always like, me being so humble and so gracious sometimes, I, I look at things and I look at it and I'm like, all right, man, I'm thankful to be here. And then, and then something will happen like, like my sophomore year. Um, I had um, – my boy was uh, defensive end Kevin Stokes. He got injured. And I got in and I was so humble and thankful for the moment that when I went out there, I was kind of going through the motions, just getting through, get, making sure I did my job. And then – when I saw that the coach was uh, was signaling for Kevin Stokes to come back in the game, I was like, wait, hold on, man. My turn ain't over. He hiked the ball. I blew up the tackle. The the um the uh, running back tried to cut me. I jumped over the uh jumped over the running back and the quarterback rolled out and threw it out of bounds. And everybody was like, Oh, okay. Well ho- hold on, Kevin. Like, hold on. <laughs> so it was just it's little it's little tiny fractions of moments like that memories that make you go, Okay. This is the difference from being humble and turning it on and being recognized. And that's and that is like if, if I if I ever had anything to say to my younger self or to anyone young who's coming up in the game, you know, that that's a really good guy, that's a nice guy. There's times to be a nice guy and then there's times to there's times to be a dog, straight up. There ain't ain't no other ain't no other way yeah. to define it. It's time it's time to be a dog. And when it's your time to be a dog, don't don't be being thankful for the moment. It's time to wreck some something. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. You, know, up. you you are you are a guy that didn't play high school football who's coming from Rome. You're you're almost you're not going to be drafted. I'm not going to. I'm not going to come here to lie. You're not going to be drafted. You're going to be. Oh, you're straight you're up. going to be invited to probably a, a team that's not far from you. So probably the Jets, Giants, somebody like that. Maybe maybe the Eagles because they're going to. You know, so they can save on having to send you a plane ticket. I'm not sure what you mean, but that's how it works. And right. you need, you may get literally one rep to show what you can do. I'm not even lying when I say that. You may literally get one, you, 
you better not be thankful. I mean, you can be thankful after, but you, but you got in that one rep, you need to, you need to flat out embarrass some professional athlete. I hate to put it that way, but somebody needs to look bad. Somebody, you got to find somebody and say, sorry, dude, today is the day I make you look like you don't belong here. Exactly. Exactly. It's got to be that way because it's him or you. <laughs> which, one, which, one, which one is it going to be? It's him or you. Exactly. And it's crazy that you say that because so, me, me and my coach had these talks all the time, man. That's so crazy. We had these talks I'm all just the time. trying to make it clear. Like, it's, 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 it's not a league. I mean, there's lots of wonderful people in, in the league. Like, these people who, you know, raise money for cancer and this other But when it's time, right, as you said, dog time, when it's time to dominate somebody or try to embarrass somebody, if it's between you and me, and one of us has to go, it's going to be you. You can't decide to save the kindness in your heart for homeless children or the ill or the elderly. You can't have all that sweetness of light when you get a chance to line up across from Eric Fisher. You get a chance to line up across from Trent Brown or whoever it is. This guy is a multimillionaire. Don't feel sorry for him. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know how to tell you. Like, the way you put it, like, you, you, you may literally get one rep. It might not even be at your position. It might be on special teams. You better blow someone up. Like, said, like a hand grenade, there better be stuff flying in all directions, and that one rep you might get on kickoff coverage or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, straight up. Like, that's... It's it's so crazy because we're having this conversation. I just had this conversation last week with my coach, and he was telling me, he was like, Eddie, when I see you turn your dog on and you're not thinking, he said, you belong in the NFL. You belong. There's no question you belong. So keep the dog turned on when you're playing. He said, because there's no question. There's nobody that's six foot five, my speed, and got my length with my quickness that's not in the NFL. You deserve to be in the NFL, so play like it. And when he told me that, it just made me okay. to him a lot harder. It's just like the so. Moment. Tell me about so when you do go to your pro day finally coming up, and we'll talk pro day now with everybody. What kind of goals do you set for yourself for your pro day? What do you plan to, to show these people who most of them don't even know who the heck you are? I'm just being honest with you. I mean, you right. you have to educate some folks about who you are. <laughs> right. So the biggest thing I want to show in the in the in the combine, I want to say, is I want that forty yard dash to be four six or sub. And another okay. thing, another thing that I want is my um. Well, I I to be honest, I I just I just want to do one on ones. Like that that's like the biggest thing. Like like I want to show that I can change direction in the L drill. I want to I want to show my broad jump to show my get off. And, and, you know, I, I want to show my explosiveness. But all that stuff, I'm really confident in, and I know it's there. The stuff that I want to go – the stuff that I want to see is my 40, and I want to see me go against some people because I'm trying to embarrass somebody. I, I've been posting that, like, all over my stuff, everything. It's, it's, a, it's like in a mantra right now when I wake up in the morning. I have, like – I have literally um, above my, above my um, computer, I have a picture of Ray Lewis. I have a picture – of um of uh, Sean Taylor and I have another one of um Julius Peppers and they're all they just 
they're all saying the same thing. You know, it's about your legacy. That's that's what it is. Mm. When I look back, right, people are going to say, dang, man, you didn't even play high school. You didn't even do this. You didn't do that. And it's like, that. that's that, that's cool, but what I wanna what I wanna have as my legacy is that I deserve to be there. I played, I bust my ass. I'ma always bust my ass. When you see me on film, it's looking like a tornado wherever I'm at. Straight up. That's what I, okay. that's what I want my legacy. Gotcha. So so yeah, so well, well speaking of destructive forces, yeah. Yeah, Pro Day is just that. It's the start of my legacy. Okay. Well, as I was saying, speaking of the trusted person, come back to Bryce for a moment. I, I'm extremely intrigued by what will happen at your pro day. Tell, um, tell me a little bit about what your plans are and when your pro day is, is scheduled. Um, I think my pro day is scheduled for March 23rd. Um, and basically, I'm just out there to, to shock, shock everybody. Uh, I don't know why, but people people don't think I'm able to move backwards or like driving coverage or open my hips. But that's like I'm I'm naturally athletic. I do I do those types of things without without thinking. So when I go out there and, and absolutely blow away everybody that's running the drills, I mean the the change of direction drills. Like I'm I'm gonna dominate them. Uh, the L drill, pro agility, 40 yard dash, very broad jump, like all that stuff's in the bag. Like I'm I already know for a fact I'm gonna hit. The, the marks that everybody said for me, but it's the it's the it's the the thing that's motivating me the most is hitting the marks that I've set for myself, and uh, I, I'm really surprising myself in this in this training process. I'm out here working hard every day, just taking it 24 by 24 and listening to everything my trainers are telling me, and uh, I'm just I'm just building confidence in the things that I've been I've been working on, and so yeah, I'm just going out there and, and do my best and and let everything fall into place because I know it will. Okay. Where are you working at? Where, what, which facility? I'm working out at APEC in Fort Worth. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, and who's, who's been training you? Who's been working with you the most? Uh, Bobby Stroop and then our, uh, our uh, like, technique guy that, that really walks us through all of our workouts and things like that is Taylor, Taylor Nelson. And then uh, there's a couple other guys that help out and, like, in terms of stuff that help out with everything. So it's been it's been a, a pretty um, all-inclusive experience. They're, they've been taking care of us well, getting us treatment every day, recovery work done every day, and just focusing on every aspect of, of this process. So it's been, it's, a, it's been a really good experience. Okay. And what do you think you'll be in terms of weight? Like, do you, are you trying to drop more weight? What do you weigh now and what do you want to weigh when you work out? Uh, I, weigh, I weigh like 253 right now, and I'll, I'll probably end up just staying there. I mean, we're all, we're all five, five, six weeks out from pro day, so I should be, I should be two, two, 253 with a six-pack from pro day. Okay. And, I mean, I know you don't want to give away all the news, but is there one particular drill where you're going to just make people's eyes pop out? Because I'm excited. But I, I, was there one that you're really going to make people go, like, double-check to make sure that the numbers are right? Well, uh, if everything goes as planned, I, I think I'll be able to hit, uh, like, high 4-4 four, four when it comes to the 40. And then oh. I, think I'll be, I, I think I'll be able to be able to jump 40 inches on my vert. 
I just jumped 37 yesterday. Oh. After a week of working out. After a, after a full week of just working out and, like, absolutely smashing weights, I jumped 37 on, on legs that were far from fresh. So there's no doubt in my mind I'll be able to hit Okay. Well, the fact that you did 37 under any circumstances is pretty amazing for a 253-pound human being. That's that's exciting stuff. I'm I'm really, 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 really excited to see what you do. Um, and Cecil, where are you preparing yourself? And um, and when, and uh, where will you be actually doing your pro day? Oh, I'm doing my pro day at Tennessee Mars. So that's why I finished off the grad suit. Um, and then my pro day is March 24th. But I'm training in Monroe, Louisiana, between Florida, back home too, uh, with a sports academy. Um, Tyreek and Trey, um, but that's why I'm training with one-on-one because they had a, a guy in Monroe that came out and did pro day, had a 4-4, and had the smoothest pro day, but they didn't have him behind him yet. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get that, that speed, get that real work agility, get right. So I'm just let God, um, I'm putting the work, but I'm going to let God that result at that date. I mean, I can't sit here and try to overzag things and all that. I'm just going to let it show for itself, let the work, like you say. You know, you can work, but you got to okay. have faith. I understand. Well, again, I, I very much want to get an update uh, when you have Oh, on my update, on my update um, now, I can tell you my maxes and stuff. Like, um, I PEI at, oh, okay. at like, like 20, 25. Um, I didn't want to Okay. Or I could do like he was saying, uh, four seven, low four seven, and my max is four four fifteen on bench. And yeah, so I'm um I'm just working on the little things, technique, speed, just building hips. Um, we all know that everybody like linebackers. You gotta you gotta be able to move because they're moving DBs to linebackers and making them. From the game changing with Lamar and yep. everybody, but the game slowly going back with Patrick Mahomes, and you got to be able to run with Tyreek Hill. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's some speeches in the league <laughs> on and on. You know what I'm saying? It might not be the high, like they say, the high ones that everybody knows from TV, but it's ones undrafted that's humble with it too. So you got to be, you got to be alert on all phases. Right. Okay. Um, I, once again, I will definitely want an update. So I have, you know, just one or two more questions. I'll let you guys go back to doing the, the really important stuff you're having to do to get ready for the most important is a job interview of your life. Uh, Bryce, I know because um, I was, you know, able to see his experience, his little experience when he went through uh, down in the Tampa area, you know, Tampa St. Pete, uh, for the East-West Shrine game. Uh, tell, tell me – I'll go back. I'll stick with you for a moment, Cecil. Tell me about your experience in terms of postseason uh, opportunities like All-Star Games. How did you navigate those? How did you decide where you wanted to show what you could do, and, and how was that experience like? Um, well, basically, uh, going into the East Shine week, I had a lot of people tell me a lot of different things. And uh, I just went in there with a the level head, just stay focused, and just let everything be natural. Uh, when it came to the interviews, we were interviewing all day. Uh, as soon as we got there, there was guys pulling us off, like out of, like straight off the bus out of the airport. We were getting interviewed. Uh, you know, we had meetings and stuff on the first day, and after that, we were up interviewing, taking like standardized tests until 11 o'clock. Then we had to be up at 7:30 the next morning, and then uh, 
early, we had to get up earlier and earlier every day for the most part for different things that we had going on, different events. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was mentally how it was set up. It was supposed to be strenuous, but, uh, I was able to manage and, and, and get through the week pretty easily. Uh, as far as football goes, it was, it was a cool experience getting to learn from all NFL coaches and like, uh, beginning, like start to see the game in a, in a new light as far as how they broke down things pre-snap and how they, how they prepare watching film and things they look for on film to, uh, give them a, um, give them a, uh, an advantage in their game. So it was a, a really cool learning experience. And, uh, as far as getting to just playing the East West Sean game to benefit those kids, that was a great experience too. Just being, just knowing that we were able to be a part of something bigger than just football was, was just really cool. Right. And were there any of the coaches that made a particular impression on you when you were being coached up down there? Uh, Coach Blake Williams. Uh, he he coached he coaches at the Jets. Uh, he's worked with guys like me in the past. He he coached uh he coached with Jannard. Well, he coached Jannard Avery. Uh, he coached one of my my college coaches actually, Coach Dan Lanning. He worked with him as well. And then uh, Coach Mac Brown, which was our defensive line coach. They were all. They they played the biggest parts of my week down there uh, as far as boosting my confidence, uh, you know, coming off of a a loss and to uh, Penn State. I mean, I, I feel like I had a good game and so I feel like I had a good season, but they knew that I wasn't used to the best of my ability in my college career. So they made an emphasis to really just letting me like I, I had the freedom to stand up and get off the ball, and I had the freedom to work inside moves and things like that. So I was really just get in my bag and, and showcase what I had. And uh, it just helped me feel really comfortable just doing what I what I do best. So those guys definitely made the biggest impression on me. Okay. And I'll swing it around. Um, now, Eddie, did you – and once again, I apologize. I usually know this. But did you have any opportunities in terms of all-star games? Oh, uh, no. After your uh, season was over? Okay. I, I knew I didn't remember seeing your name on any roster. I was double-checking. Um, well, once again, yet another thing hopefully will get you fired up when you, when you finally get a chance to show what you can do. Uh, Cecil, tell me about how you navigated the all-star game opportunities. Like, where did you, how did you decide where you wanted to go and, and where did you get out of it? I mean, I got a lot of, um, cause my uncle Alvin Hopper and the Anthony Miller dude, a connection, a connection of me making plays and sending tape over and, and God worked in my favor, and I always worked. I just put my head down. I got the hula bowl between him and my film and God. Um, and when I got there in Hawaii, I had a business, and I, I had a fun experience. I mean, going to Hawaii, you know what I'm saying, for free. You know, it was it was, it was was a business, and it was fun after you handle business. But when you put in the work and you handle business, everything, you know, came in the part and team ain't I was on. You know, we lost. Um, I had a good – I had coach um, – dang, I can't think of the head coach, man. Right now I'm back in my head, but I had coach Mike Smith. Yeah. It was a fun experience. And then coming together with different players, y'all all chasing the same goal. But I met – like, I found out, man, me and Dalvin Cook brothers, we, we blood cousins. And it's it's crazy. We was on the same team. Mom was up there too. So it was a great experience then playing with – Bakes that played with my older brother Demetrius Chair at at Arizona State, so it was a great experience. 
And I had like eight tackles and three TFLs. Hello? 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 Yeah. I'm still here. I don't know if maybe his connection or something, or maybe his phone died. Yeah, I had got that plug by my uncle. Cause I wasn't gonna play in no whole um, senior bowl game. The NFL PA was tripping. They were saying something and then they were playing, but my uncle made that call though. That was a blessing. That hula bowl. Yeah. And he did. Oh he at? Hello? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, like I said, I think his phone or something might have died. Maybe. All right. All right, man. Y'all be easy, man. Keep training hard, bro. I'm just gonna wait till they yeah, do whatever. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Slow down. <laughs> I, have, I have one last question for everybody, and then then you can have your lives back. Um, I'll start with you, you Bryce. All right. Clearly, I know you would play like any position. You'd play safety if they asked you to play safety. You play. They said play corner. You'd play corner. I get that. But there's got to be defenses you look at. And you think, oh. I'd love to play in this scheme, or I'd love to play with this team that you know are a good fit. When you think about your football future, where do you feel, or you, and maybe there's a couple places, where do you feel like you'd be a perfect fit? Perfect fit? Um, I, honestly, I honestly cannot tell you. There's, there's so many good teams that are, that are in the league right now that have diverse teams and, and have really versatile players that can that can really just attack offenses from any angle. And so that, that's a hard decision for me. And okay. there's also a lot of – Allow me to rephrase – let me rephrase the question. You, you mentioned Jannard Avery, which is an, an interesting name to bring up. Um, mm-hmm. how, do you see, how do you think you'd be best used in the NFL? Let me, let me, let me put the question that way. Best used? Um, I feel like I can definitely yeah. – at this, at this point where I'm at right now, I feel like as in – as an outside linebacker, dominating the edge and just being just being sent at offense from every direction, uh, especially when it comes to third down rush packages, uh, first down just being being used to go attack the uh, attack the run game and making TFLs, making plays in the backfield, pressuring the quarterback at all times, just just really just being being used as a complete weapon because I am. Uh, there's no uh, I feel like there's no really a, a, a there's not really a a category you can put me in, but wherever I am on the field, I'm going to make an impact. And I plan on, I plan on either playing in the Super Bowl or being a Pro Bowl in my rookie season. And that that, that sounds like a far fetch for a lot of people. <laughs> my work ethic and my focus, I don't doubt that that's possible at all. Okay, got it. Perfect. Uh, same question for you, Eddie. Where do you think you'd be a great fit? Like, obviously, I know you'll play anywhere for anybody, but where? When you look around, where do you think you'd be best used, and who do you see, you know, using a player the way you think you could be used in their system? Um, well, that's actually a really good question. Um, I used to think that I wanted to be like a 3-4, you know, linebacker slash uh, pass rush guy, but that's, that's – I don't know. My, my head's more towards just being a rush 
So, I mean, if I had to choose, like, a perfect fit for me, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I would say maybe, like, the Broncos, like a system where I can get behind, like, a Von Miller and kind of understand and learn that, that game and, and, and use that, um, you know, use him as, like, a mentor, kind of like the way he did uh, DeMarcus Ware. Um, with the same situation where he kind of used him as like a pass rush mentor and uh, learned from him. Um, But I mean, to be honest, it it would be any system like that where I can learn from an elite pass rusher. Um, That would be amazing for me because, you know, I I have the speed, I have the strength. It's just, you know, I I, I just really want to perfect moves. You know what I'm saying? So I I don't know. I just, any, any place that has like, like a premier pass rusher that I can learn from, like like the Bears with Khalil Mack or anyone, I, I would want to be there. Got it. Same question for you. Uh, tell me, Cecil, when you look around the NFL, where do you see as a great fit for you, and how do you think you're best used? I mean, um, oof, like you said, that's a good question. I mean, whoever that need an inside linebacker going to stop, run, and cover. I mean, and pass rush, I love that too. So, I mean, it's basically a motor to D, whoever, whoever grabs up. I'm not even going to say, but I don't know whoever God bless me with. Got it. Okay. And this is an unofficial question. You don't have to answer, but I do have, uh, you know, some lovely ladies who do check out the show. Uh, what is your situation in terms of your off-the-field uh, team affiliation, one might say? Uh, are you single and, you know, ready to mingle? Are you taken? Are you engaged, married, single, uh, nah, separated, nah, divorced? Nah, What's just, your situation? No, nah, I'm just I'm just talking to somebody we build under the ropes um, that I'm from. Originally, I grew up with, and we're just trying to build in silence right now because she's, she's a teacher and she works at a boys and girls club and she's helping with my little brother. So it's, 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 oh. um, it's the work done slowly, for surely, under the route. Yeah. You know, you got to build in silence before you be yeah. able to work. So yes, and I'm just focusing yeah. for that. Okay. Well, it sounds like you are, as you said, building, and it sounds like you're building with the right person, which is the most important thing. So congratulations. Uh, same question for you, Bryce. What is your, uh, what is your situation? Do you have somebody? Uh, are you looking for somebody? What's the situation with you? No, I'm married to the game right now. I don't have any, any time for anybody but football at this point, like, honestly. If I were to try to make something work, it, it, it would not work because I just spend that much time on my game. At this point, so I don't think anybody. I, got I don't think anybody's willing to get through me just grinding football twenty four seven. Oh yeah, that's how you gotta be. Okay. That's how my mentality is too. But I got you. You got you. Gotta show respect. So right now you are married to the game. Is what it sounds like you're saying. You're saying right now you're married to football. Facts. Big facts. How you gotta be? Okay. 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 Well, at some point, you know, you'll want to make room for someone else in your life. But, I mean, that's all a lot of guys. I mean, remember when J.J. Watt first came into the league, they used to, have to chase him out of the facility like, hey, you know, people want to go home, you know. <laughs> we need to turn the lights out, you know, get out of here. Um, and that's how a lot of guys are, you know. I mean, that's how you separate sometimes the guys who go on to 
get a bust in Canton from guys who have a nice little, you know, three- to five-year run, everybody who stands, steps foot in NFL camp, like I said, has the talent. They, every single guy, they're going to cut most of those guys, but every single guy there has the talent. It's just, you know, you just got to fight. <laughs> you got to fight really, really hard. Uh, okay, so... Uh, well, first of all, let me just thank all of you for your time. Uh, it has been a real thrill, a special, you know, excitement and all that. Oh, okay, uh, weight room. I, I know some of you guys gave me some of your weight room numbers. I'll just do this one last real quick. Cecil, what's your, what are your weight room numbers like? What are you, what are you putting up in, I don't know, are you a, a bench press guy, are you a squat guy, are you a power clean, hang clean? What are you doing in the weight room, and, and uh -huh. what are your numbers? Um, um, I, I, I maxed out just – Probably at 420 on bench this summer, and then um, okay. what I did, part, I did like 540, 550, and then power clean. I had 393, yeah, 395. Oh, oh, do you and think 395 on power clean? Yeah, I did 75 easy at South Florida. And I broke the record. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm so up when it comes to all that's, that. that. I don't, that's a number I would hear very often. The, the last time somebody came close to that was a, an offensive lineman who weighed about 317 pounds or something. So I would see you because your size is three. That's a. Yeah, I want to say. Oh, all right. That's one. Got it. Uh, same question for you, Bryce. Uh, what do you. When, Right, so you go into the weight room. What do you, you know, what are your favorite things to do in there, and what are your, what are your personal records? Um, recently we just did, uh, well, not recently, but like before I left to go train, we, we, uh, I was working out, and I feel like I can hit about four fifteen on bench, squat around six fifty, and then power clean, close to four oh five. Oh. But, uh, oh my God! Uh, so you said, wait, slow down. You said six fifty squat and four oh five power clean. Yes, sir. Around there. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Once again, I've heard those numbers before, but from people who literally were fifty or more pounds heavier than you. So that's that's very, very, very impressive. Um, last question for you. Now, Eddie, I know that you're in a different situation because, one, I mean, you guys don't even have food the same way that, I mean, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they, the food doesn't flow even the same way, let alone the, the weight training opportunity. But uh, what are your, your best lifts and what are your personal Yeah, go ahead. Well, my, um, my favorite lift has to be squat. Um, squat and deadlifts are my two favorite lifts. Um, but my squat right now is okay. like, uh, five ten for three, and then on bench is three sixty five for three, and then power clean. Uh -huh. What did I say? Like two seventy. Yeah, like two. Yeah, like two seventy for power clean. Like I said, po see the thing about power okay. clean. Man, I hear y'all got that four oh five. Oh, like, no. <laughs> but but no, but you know, <laughs> not no. But, like, not playing in high school and not really building that technique and having those mechanics, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just so much you can do. It's one of the things you have to build the technique because technique will carry you through. 
So, you know, you know, I mean, yep. I can have all the strength in the world. You know, you can squat 500, but you put that thing in front of you and you ain't had the bar in front of you, you ain't, you ain't going to hit the same numbers. So, you know, it's a work in progress, man. Right. Yeah. No, I, first of all, you're 100% right. And considering that you haven't had some of the advantages, that's still, those are still very impressive numbers, that you've, you've done that without, I don't think people understand how different it is I mean, when you're in a situation where yes. even the, the nutrition isn't the same. I mean, not to say they don't feed you, but it's not, it's just not the same. <laughs> I don't no, know how to put it. It's not the same as places no, where, hey, you know, hey, there's hey, a I'm special meal plan put together for the athletes specifically, all that. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't even different. We don't got none. We don't got no meal plan and none of that stuff, man. Look, this is what you do. <laughs> right. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, that's, that's obviously. <laughs> that's a big difference. Um, okay, well, once again, I want to tell all of you gentlemen that, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a big old fight ahead of you, the biggest fight of your lives. Um, I hope that God will watch you and strengthen you. Um, you're going to have your resolve, your faith, your whatever test. You're going to see freak show athletes, right? The 1% of the 1%, because you've already seen the 1%. Being a college athlete, you already saw the 1%. Now you see the 1% of the 1%. It's the creme de la creme. It is the very, very best athletes, in many cases, literally Olympic-class athletes, right? Guys who could go to the Olympics in some cases and win medals. You're going to see some of those guys. You see guys that are some of the strongest people on the planet Earth, some of the fastest people on the planet Earth. You're going to see them, not on TV, right? Some of them will be teammates. Some of them will be guys trying to beat you for a, for a spot on a team. I, I hope that no matter what happens, right, we just saw them with Raheem Mostert, cut seven times. I hope that each of you realizes no matter what happens, and there will probably be some downs, some ups, some sideways motions, and all that stuff, I hope that all through it, one, your love of the game sustains you. Two, that you realize that you were put in this position for a reason and that you keep pushing forward no matter what and you let no one take your dream away from you. No one, not a coach, not a GM, not another player. Let no one take your dream away from you. When you decide you're done with the game, move on to whatever's next, but don't let anyone take it away from you before you're ready to leave it. That's the last thing I'll leave you with. I wish all of you the best. It's been a real pleasure. Please thank all of your representation, um, you know, all of you that, that you thank your agents on my behalf. I, I believe in all of you. Check for your emails. Uh, if not later today, more likely either tomorrow or the very latest early Monday morning. Um, once again, I know you guys don't do hot yoga, so I won't be worried about any of those pictures. But whatever picture you do send, um, make sure that's one that's reasonably high quality so that it uh, can be, you know, looks decent. Uh, fill uh, out the questionnaire oh, you, completely. One more question. Um, and yeah, please go ahead. Uh, do you need my agent um, information? Uh, just DM it to me. You know, right. unless you're unless you're trying to advertise. Unless you're trying to have people do it. Hey, I can use agent first. Hey, yeah. You can you can give the name of your agent. I would not recommend giving out their uh, principal. Oh no, I ain't gonna let you like I said, just try to Oh, 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 oh. I'm giving out that. Oh, I ain't giving out that. Oh, oh. It's Lynn um Lynn Lynn Lynn. Okay. But 
You can feel free to shout, shout out their name, but yeah, don't give out their actual contact. If, oh, <laughs> but DM it to me, yeah, because I'm gonna follow up with them. Yeah, my phone messing up. That's why I asked that question. So he just said he just said his name. No, but, you did the. That's fine. No, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. <laughs> I'm just trying not to, you know. Like, people try to have lives, eat dinner, whatever. I don't want this person to get calls from strange, strange phone numbers. Uh, that, that uh, you know, that's, I would not want someone giving out my information all over here. But, oh, no, gentlemen, once again, a no, real no, pleasure. No, no, we, I that. You don't put that. I will never do that. I don't even give out my No, money. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, figured, I figured that's not what you meant. I figured that wasn't what you meant. Uh, uh, I want to thank you once again. Cause this, I know how big a time this is in your lives. And that you made time for this, I really appreciate. Um, once again, like I said, when you when you um, send back your information to the questions that we're sending out and, and send your pictures, I will let you, if you have agents who also would like to be included, um, I will also let them know when your articles go live, and I'll send you links to them. Uh, it has, once again, been a, a real pleasure, a real honor. Um, I, I just wish the best for all of you. I know the odds are against every single person. Uh, and obviously, in case of some of you, you might have beaten the odds. I mean, some of the stories I hear, especially, you know, just these amazing stories that I've, I've, I couldn't make up some of the stories from you guys have, have already done and already accomplished. So keep, once again, I hope God keeps blessing you, and I hope you, I guess I realize how special you are just to have come this far. Because most of us, I mean, heck, my, my career ended long before I got to this point in terms of football. Like, I knew I was, I knew I wasn't, I knew I, knew I was. <laughs> and I see people like you, and I know that you can. So once again, keep up the good work. It's been a pleasure. Um, I want to thank, like I said, your representatives, if they, whatever, you know, if they helped to set this up. And please, like I said, look for the email. Respond as soon as you can. I know how busy you are. Um, but keep taking care of your business. And like I said, as soon as I get the answers back to you from you guys, and you're, uh, if there's something I'm not sure about, I'll once again respond back to you or your agent just to make sure that I'm reading things correctly, but I don't want to ever print something that isn't correct. But uh, like I said, it's been a pleasure and honor and a privilege. Please, um, you guys, you know, keep, keep, keep going, doing what you're doing. This is taking you this far. You just have to obviously kick it up another notch because huh, you're going into the, you know, it's like it was at the last level of the game, right? Like when you're playing a video game, this is it. There's no level above this. It's, you know, this is it. There's no league above this one, so so go get it. Go get it. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate the opportunity, yes, man. Appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir. Thank you for having us on. Oh. Thank you. It's been an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. I just want to thank all of the young men I've had today. Um, I want to thank you, Bryce Huff. I want to thank you, Eddie. I want to thank uh, you, uh, Cecil Cherry. I want to thank the guys who had on earlier, um, like Lawson Hoover. Um, <laughs> I would like uh, Jelani <laughs> Taylor. Um, forgetting someone. Uh, but I thank all of you, all of you, and we'll be doing this again with another group of young men in one week. Once again, um, I thank you all for your time, your talents, your attention. As as I said, uh, we'll be keeping in touch with you. I think great things are in your futures. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and have amazing careers, both in the game and after the game. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, take care of yourself. All right, yes, sir. Great show. Thank you. Had a great show. Um, I want to thank also my co-host, Kofi, who 
work behind the scenes tirelessly to make arrangements to get all these young men on. And once again, uh, I will be in communication uh, to make sure that as you guys get more information from Pro Day, things like that, so we can update everything about you. Uh, current height, weight, speed, all that good stuff. And I'll, I'll close with this uh, as I get ready to, to sign off. Most people don't understand the sacrifices that a person has to make, even to make it to this level. Forget even the NFL, just to, make, to become a college athlete. Right? You're talking about days that begin in darkness, right? Four-something, five-something in the morning. Right? You're talking about, you know, Eddie talks about putting in a meal plan, right? You're trying to put on weight. You're trying to get stronger. And he's at a school, you know, he's playing D3, right? He's having to figure this out. You know, he's probably looking in, like, Muscle and Fitness magazine or hitting the Internet, trying to figure out, you know, what can I eat? What should I do? What should I, I mean, that's, I don't think people understand that you have to approach it like someone who has a full-time job, basically, even though it's not a paid position. Uh, you do get a, a scholarship. But there's lots of other students on scholarship on every campus, and their days aren't like your days. You're not putting in two hours before practice. Uh, you know, sometimes these guys are doing two hours of their own work, you know, watching film on their own iPad or tablet or phone, going to practice at whatever hour in the morning, then going to class, then going back to practice, uh, going to treatment. Right, lifting weights, eating extra meals if you're trying to put on weight, or eating less if you're trying to lose weight. So when you're watching a game, college, pro, whatever, realize that these people you're watching are special and that they've been working. Sometimes, sometimes they're four years old, right? I've had guys who said they first started playing when they were four, which blows my mind. But four, five, six in some cases, obviously these guys like Eddie who are late bloomers, he's didn't start playing football until he was in college. He went to a camp as a track athlete. And someone said, yeah, you can do this. You can play football. There's all kinds of journeys. They all, you know, can work out. But just remember, have respect for it. Like, I heard people saying someone's always a bum. No. If you're watching this on TV, he's not a bum, right? The guys who are bums didn't even get to college ball, let alone pro ball, right? The guys who suck, they were, that's me. Right. That's who sucks. I suck. I, I wasn't able to – I tried walking on in college, and, it, you know, I could tell, oh, no, I do not belong, right? I'm not one of these guys who's going to be able to make it. A, you know, I, I, I can literally count the number of plays I had on special teams, no less. I had a, no, a handful of plays on special teams in my entire college career because I wasn't good enough. Most aren't. When you see these people that you're watching on television, but if you call your pro, they are special. They are the, the, the 1%. And like I said, it's going to the 1% of the 1%. Please have respect for what they've done just to get to that point. Even if they play one game, if they've done one day in a camp, they've done more than 99.9% .9 ever will. And I will close with that. Uh, once again, RIP, Kobe, Black Mamba, the Altabellis, um, the Maurer family, uh, God bless you all. And, of course, uh, Mamba Sita, Gianna. Uh, I'm a big fan of women's basketball, and I, I, I'm mourning not only uh, that her life is cut so short, but that I think she would have been a superstar, a superstar, not just with how she played, but her personality. Um, for those who've ever been around her, she was a, a wonderful, wonderful young girl with 
you know, so much ahead of her. So uh, this is the last time I'm going to mention that on the show, but just I just felt like as their memorial ceremonies are coming, it it felt right to make one last mention of, of that because hopefully it reminds people if you're thinking about doing something or you have a talent to do something, do it now. You know, if you I don't care if it's singing, writing, acting, macrame, don't wait. Don't wait for the perfect time. It may never come. Okay. Um, this is me out. Once again, it's been a pleasure, an honor, and a privilege. Thank you so much. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.